22 pages later with your hosts, The Cap, Mike the Finance Guy, and Ralph the Tech. I am protesting officially because right now I realize Mike did not make cookies. No, you almost had dessert, but it failed miserably. <laughs> I was waiting for those shrimp puffs. That's what I'm saying. Sure. I, and I, Wait, are you still waiting? Wow. <laughs> Get used to it. That's fucked up. <laughs> wow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another geekgasmic episode of Meanwhile, 22 Pages Later. Episode 46. We're coming close on your age, Mike. I, I, 24 passed a long time ago. But also, what I love the fact is that you actually have it written down that it's Meanwhile, 22 Pages Later. <laughs> I've, it's, part of, it's the intro, jerk. I'm one of your hosts, The Cap, and I'm here with the Wizard of Hate and the King of Critiquing, MFG, Mike the Finance Guy. Thou degenerate, weather-bitten wagtail. And you still haven't fucking got rid of that bit? Can we? Nope. How dare you talk about my mother that way? <laughs> <laughs> and also with me is the Sultan of Swears. No, wait, that's me. No, never mind. Okay, we, we just have RT Square Ralph's Tech. Outrageous! I'll call this adventure Four Nerds in a Podcast. <laughs> I love Aquaman in um, Bat- oh, was it Brave and the Brave Bold? Brave and the Bold. Brave Brave and, the bold. bold. Ah, and we have a special guest with us. Let me introduce um, a friend of the podcast. Actually, been a conversation piece for a little while. Been trying to get him on the show, and now he's on the show. The guy who's not named after the Black Transformer because he's neither metal nor black. Please give it up for Jazz. Ladies and gentlemen, I am beside myself, and damn, do I look good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, guys, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. No, I, I've wanted to come on for a while. Absolutely, uh, damn. And, and you know, it's funny. I want to do something, something we've never done before. A good actually, podcast. I, <laughs> wow, <laughs> you're just mean. I actually wanted to ask our guests a couple of questions because a lot of times we know who the guest is, but our audience does not. Okay. So it's, I wanted to ask. It's amazing that it took us 46 episodes to yeah, realize exactly. to do this. Yeah, some host. <laughs> I have two other hosts. You guys can fucking help. Hey, you're the boss. I'm just the tech guy. <laughs> He's the boss. The boss. You know, oh my god. Right. Oh, it's it's. Uh, what do we say? If if it's on a podcast, it means it's right. Just like you're 24. Yes. Yeah. So I'm you're the so boss. You, so you're Diana Ross, the boss. I'm. Oh wow. I'm the diva. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll just cut that out in editing. Oh, <laughs> thank <mother> God. Who's <laughs> the podcast like a boss? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So I just wanted to ask, um, Jazz, because a lot of times people, you know, we bring on, we don't get to really find out. Just the nuts and bolts about thing about about them, and especially because we talk a lot about our geek things. We talk right. a lot about geek things. Yeah, Jazz, tell us about your nuts. <laughs> wow, well, <laughs> and we get right to it. No foreplay, um, <laughs> Jazz. Hey, I'm that e- I'm that easy. <laughs> Whoa, man! Holy shit! Okay, so Jazz, what got you started into being interested in the whole world of geek? Um, I would say more of a nerd than a geek, personally. Actually, oh, yeah. Okay. No, um, it w- it was all Star Wars. Star Wars started all. I I remember it was kindergarten when I got first introduced to it, and you know the original trilogy. Those movies are my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Now, is that what you were originally introduced to—the original trilogy or the god awful Hellspawn trilogy? It was the original trilogy. Oh, okay, the original good. ones. And yeah. there was hope. There was hope. It was a new hope. It was a new hope. Yes. And that was like that and started it all. And then, um, like I didn't have uh, growing up, didn't have cable or anything, so I didn't have all those TV shows. That um, a lot of kids had in my generation growing up. So right. whenever we would travel on vacation or go to a, like a relative's house, they would have cable, and I would always watch uh, cartoons. So I'd, and um, one of the first animated superhero movies I saw was uh, Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. 
Wow. That's, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Good one. And I like, like that. my little uh, kid head exploded when I figured out that Luke Skywalker is, this, is the same guy that voices the Joker. Yeah. Mark <laughs> I thought that was so cool. It's the, it's the real reason why he and Leia broke up, besides being brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> he kept doing the Joker voice in bed, and it just got creepy. No, and Come so, here, sister. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> And it, it, like that started it, and like I didn't get that like the story of behind Batman Beyond all that much. So because I didn't see all the ones that came before that, so right. I started with that, and then I started watching more like animated movies and stuff. And every now and then I'd watch you know the Justice League cartoons, and then I started just watching movies and just got more and more into it, and just it all started with Star Wars. Wow, Basically, okay, it was that. All right, that's no, a that's huge good. influence on my life. That, that's a great influence to start with. Yeah, good answer, right? Because what would have happened if he would have said it was the other three Star Wars movies that he liked? All right, let's make sure. Yeah, make sure the double checking. <laughs> Just double checking, absolutely. That same crowd that always hates me is good to know they hate other people. <laughs> well, well, well. You you give hate. You know, you reap what you sow. <laughs> so, with that being said, that Star Wars was your your um the way you got into the the nerd world. I'll say because you said you're a nerd, not a geek. Oh, I didn't realize. Um, what was your who was your favorite either superhero or um fic- fictitious hero? And how were you introduced to them? If it's Star Wars, obviously we're going to know how that is. But who's your favorite out of all time? That is actually... Uh, I've debated that. You can say it's me. That's okay. <laughs> and, and I'm not fictitious. I am yeah, real. Should, dude, you being 24 is fictitious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm really 24 and a half. That's cool. Because, like, you know, he, his mutant power is immortality. Um, <laughs> Damn right. Actually, it would probably... It probably would be Batman. All right. All uh, right. It's... <sighs> I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> no, because I know like everybody's gonna say Batman, but uh, there's a I'm big fans of other ones. Nightcrawler was okay. I just thought he was so cool just because oh, I always of his look and he could teleport. Um, but it would be Batman because um, he's fucking cool. He's <laughs> I know that you don't like this quote, but he's the goddamn Batman. <laughs> I'm the goddamn Batman. Uh, but, uh, imagine if Batman could teleport. Well, I, I'm what? <laughs> We're, I think we all just did. <laughs> we just went so quiet. <laughs> what the fuck? Are, are you watching TV again? What the hell? No, I was trying to blow his mind. Oh, okay. Ah, there oh, you go. Good. All right. Actually, I don't think I think it'd be a lot less cool if he could teleport. Well, yeah. If he suddenly had superpowers, it would just be like, oh. yeah. What if it was technological? No, that's not superpowers. That's just stupid. <laughs> that's Iron Man. <laughs> that, that's Iron well, Man. It would explain how he got into the uh, the vault in. The third Batman or the second Batman movie by Chris Nolan. <laughs> Are you gonna go shitting on that too? You have time to shit on movies later, later on in the show. Let's let's pace yourself. That's the X Lax of movies. Yeah, Mike must go through a lot of toilet paper. Um, Mike just mentioned X Lax. I mean, obviously he uses products we don't even use. <laughs> Metamucil and the pens. I mean, you know, Mike's so old. We'd like to take a time, moment to thank our sponsors for being us twenty two pages later. <laughs> All the old people sponsored. <laughs> All the fo- old folks in the whole love us. Love me, Cougar. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by a- the, um, the ARP. <laughs> Cougar, that's a saber-toothed tiger, man. Wow. <laughs> well, Jazz, good to have you on the show. So let's get right into it. Let's do the thing that we love to do, or actually what Mike loves to do, and we just kind of listen along. Let's hear the quick news. And now, the quick news with Mike, the finance guy. And Ralph and Kat. All right, everybody's favorite part, hearing me talk. Wow. He's really <laughs> stroking himself. <laughs> there we go. That's. I'm, when are we going to get the cookie sounds, bro? What's the difference? How does a cookie sound? 
<laughs> go with the fucking quick. Cookie, 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 cookie. Cookie, cookie. All righty. It started 66 years ago with, and let's see how long it takes to catch on to this. It started with a make-believe threat. Ten years later, an assault by similar faces. Three years after that, some group got payback. It took 19 more years for fresh inspiration, followed by the three years it took for the Commonwealth to retaliate. But now, 30 years after the 12 months it took for the Jedi to come back, we have a new episode with a new title, Episode 7, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, yes. opening December 18th, uh-huh. 2015. <laughs> now, besides the big name reveal on Thursday, November 6th, no additional details about the story have been released, but we do know that the movie stars original veterans, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, Kenny Baker, and Warren Davis will be there. Thoughts? Excited, but... But this, and it's funny, we were just talking about geriatric. Yeah. This cast is so old. I'm like, I mean, how I'm wondering how they're going to pass the tor- torch to a younger generation. Because what happens if gently because of arthritis? <laughs> I mean, Harrison Ford already broke his leg on set. Yep. What standing up? No, <laughs> no, the door Sitting of the down? Falcon fell on him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's an aluminum falcon? <laughs> I was like, when I heard about that, I was like, see, that's why with this cast, I feel like seven has to be a transitional thing to get newer people on and to have the other stars. Yeah. Like spot star, I guess you would say. I guess. But, but I don't like the, the title. The title, I don't know what is up with that title that just bothers me. I, I know Jazz and I, we texted really fast about it. Yeah, we were talking day. about this. Like, I'll be honest, none of the Star Wars titles are really that great. Maybe oh, with really the exception not. of Episode Five, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Um, but it does make me wonder like, what the plot line could possibly be. Who is the Force Awakening in? Is it going to be Jedi, Sith? I think it, it might... I'm hoping it would be cool if it talked about um, the Jedi uh, Jason and Jaina, the uh, Jedi twins of uh, right. Han and Leia. Wait, starting... did you just say Jan and Zaina? Jason Jan. and Jaina. Oh, thank God. Jason well, I always think it was a super friend. Wonder <laughs> <laughs> twin powers? Activate. <laughs> Form of a bucket of water. Shape of a crappy movie. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. But, I mean, I mean, I think The Force Awakening, just that title alone talks about, you know, the, the resurgence of the Jedi. But you're right. Those, those, those titles. Well, you don't know do... if that's dark or light. It just says the force, you know, and we and we know we're down a villain. Yeah, well, but well, yeah, I guess. but yeah. we but we also know that I mean they've made it not clear, but they talked about in the movie that most of the Jedi's have been done with. So I think it's the fact that you know right. I think Luke plays a mentor. He's in a mentor role, and he says bring up the Jedi. I don't want to spoil anything. I haven't really. There's read nothing it. to spoil. We have no, no idea there's what there's nothing the to spoil. Be about. Well, well, I know some of the books. You know, kind of hinted at some of the stuff. Like you're talking about the twins, the right. Jedi twins. Yeah, I mean, like the books aren't canon, but they can yeah, totally take the books aspects of that. Aren't really canon we, have, we have no idea what the movie. Wait, the possibly. books. The books aren't canon. No. Nope. No, Disney uh, released a whole big thing. I forget what books are considered um, part of canon, but uh, the books that have been out there are not part of canon. Yeah, wow. so like the only things that are official canon are the um, the six movies, um, the animated Clone Wars. And the current, um, Rebels. current Rebels. And I think from the point of when they released that statement, any future book or video game that comes out is official canon to the um, Star Wars storyline. Yeah. Wow, I wonder what those So uh, are all of you big old Trekkies, shit on you! <laughs> Anyway, Trekkies, but oh, Star I'm Wars. Sorry, Star Wars. I don't, Star Wars I don't know why I confused the two. I guess you're both losers. You did you a nerd it? faux pas. Hold on, hold on. you hear that? There are nerds riding in the streets right now. Mike, the finance guy, confused Star Wars with Star Trek. Okay, it's let's wrong. let's get the truth down. They're not riding in the street because they don't know how to get outside. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and it's going to take them so long to put on their fake ears and get their lightsabers charged up. <laughs> Wait a minute, is that a, is that a red dot on the on your back? <laughs> Let me get out of the way because I'm in his line of sight. <laughs> anyway, Mike Wells, you got there. Alrighty, we got a quick quiz. Go. 
Who could <clears throat> make a hawk a dove, stop a war with love, and make a liar tell the truth? Wonder Woman. There you go. That's Linda Carter as the fabulous female freedom fighter from far-flung fields of fantasy and folksy fiction, nice a.k.a. Wonder Woman. I knew you liked that. Uh-huh. Well, nearly 40 years ago, TV audiences saw her in her satin tights fighting for our rights, and she'll be doing so again on handheld devices. Following the success of Batman 66, DC Comics pulled up a stool, warmed its hands, and decided to milk a good idea. And to this end, we will be digitally producing Wonder Woman 77, debuting as a six-part weekly series in December 2014, with print versions coming soon after that. The series will be written by Mark Andreco with a beautiful cover by Nicholas Scott. You really have to see it. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But no interior artist or story premise have been provided. Okay. Be interesting to see a continuation of that. But have you seen the, the poster, the cover for that? No, I have not. It's, it's really beautiful. It's Linda Carter. Like They did a great job of rendering her. It's really beautiful. Who Linda Carter, by the way, looks great even now. Linda Carter always looks great. She's one of the most beautiful women around. What was the last show that she made an appearance on? Um, the last show. I, the I mean, she I was in that Sky movie. Well, she was in Sky High, and she looked right. fantastic in Sky High. She did. And that was probably close to a decade ago itself. Yeah, it was about 10 that, years ago. That was so funny when she's like, uh, who do you think I am? Wonder Woman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. So I, and I, I'm curious if they will have her in the movie. They sh- I, I don't think that she's supposed to be in the movie, but it would just be great if they just show on Paradise Island. She should be the mom. She really should be. Oh, uh, um, the queen. Oh, what's her name? Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that could work. I mean, I just, I it's just feel just like the DC's, ultimate nod. And the woman's still alive, and she looks fantastic. Why not? I, I just think DC is just trying so hard to kind of get people interested, eh, interested in their products because they're doing such a crappy job with, with um New Fifty Two. That's yeah. what it was. She made an appearance in Two and a Half Men. Uh, I will never know. <laughs> it's not Mike's kind of comedy. It's very low brow. <laughs> it's just Two and a Half Men. <laughs> Charlie Sheen's not in it anymore. And they have in who? So it's just two men now. Asshole Kusher. <laughs> and yes, he won't be allowed on the show either now. Wow. Mike's hate, Mike's hate machine is warmed up. He's ready to go. Oh, really? Like, you really wanted to talk about the butterfly effect? <laughs> really? Hey, hey I, I don't hate on things as much as you do. I don't hate on things. I'm just an honest it, guy. It could be a critically, a critically acclaimed movie, and you're like, yeah, well, there was a problem with this. And, you know, technically, you know, I'm like, it, it was too I have never. Okay, Yeah. go along before you keep digging yourself deeper. <laughs> back to the quick news. Back to the quick news. All righty. Way back on six days ago, Marvel <laughs> excited fanboys with an image that got nerds all wet and tingly. Kind of like having sex with another person, but comic nerds wouldn't actually know anything about that. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> no, 19- it's, no, he's right. That's <laughs> <laughs> Let the truth be said. Uh, all right, the 1992 X-Men lineup, big hair, pouches, jubilee and all, were seen in a teaser image with summer 2015 boldly at the bottom. Could this be the return of a team that launched America's TV love affair with mutants or possibly another tale of time travel a la all new X-Men? Unfortunately, speculation is all that we have, but Marvel has other teasers sparking fan fires such as Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies. Planet Hulk. This time it's a planet that is full of Hulks. Old Hulks, She-Hulks, Green Hulks, Gray Hulks, Red Hulks, and Mustachioed Hulks. What about Pink Hulks? Uh, they didn't mention it, but probably there. There's also <laughs> Inhumans, Adeline Rising, and uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows. We've all seen that cover. Peter and MJ married with their daughter. Right. Now, and how about this teaser? A big blank cover that states, Everything Ends, Spring 2015. Now, maybe that's some multidimensional smackdown. We'll I was out. just going to talk about that. It's funny because, you know, when you say at the end, that's all my quick news. You better not have anything about it. That was going to be my add on. I had heard somebody mention that they're going to do a new 52 like reshuffling of the, the universe to have them start from the beginning. 
Well, there's, that's all rumor. I mean, that's also part of the rumor with the whole Secret Wars. Is there going to be some kind of reignition? We don't know. I mean, hopefully Marvel has listened to people complain about DC enough to just leave that as a teaser and not really do it. That's how they're going to bring Wolverine back. Oh, they don't have to rush to bring him back. I mean, they could just have him come from another time. I mean, that's what they did with Nightcrawler for ages. And then, I mean, come on. They just brought Nightcrawler back from heaven. It's not even like they just went, <laughs> oh, he wasn't really dead. They actually were saying, we went to the afterlife and brought him back. So what's to stop them from doing the same with Wolverine? Does he have wings now? Um, I don't know because I won't read the book. No, he doesn't. Have, he, no, but he, but he has no soul. He has no soul. He has no soul. He can't dance. He can't dance at all. Oh man! I'm, well, all I'm saying is that this whole reshuffling idea. I was hoping that, and we just talked about it a couple of weeks ago how Marvel has avoided yeah. reshuffling the deck. And it's been successful for them because they've been able to keep all their history, all their history, and yet you know make the adaptions to make it current. Yeah. Now they're gonna reshuffle the deck. I'm like, oh. that's why I'm hoping it's just teaser, just to get some talk. But I don't know. I don't like. Maybe they just have no idea what it is. Like, let's just throw the. Oh crap! What's that mean? Uh, <laughs> but again, a lot of times they throw uh, out teasers. Okay, just we have for a few months to figure this out. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. What else you got there? Right. Uh, MFG. Well, don't you wish when your game console went to sleep it never woke up? Well, evidently the programmers at Sony thought so. The latest firmware update for PS4 has a newly dubbed rest mode that is acting more like a coma mode. In order to turn the console off after entering rest mode, you need to unplug the PS4 from its power source, which Sony's literature explicitly warns against. If that wasn't enough, SharePlay was introduced in the update as well, which allows your couch potato friends to take uh, control of your game from their ass-numbing, pissing-in-a-two-liter Pepsi bottle comfort of their own homes, but it's been reported that it's possible to access and delete the host files while in SharePlay. Yikes. No. <laughs> and I don't like you anymore. Bleep. It's a, it's, that just well, sounds like a way to increase the electric bill. <laughs> well, you see, it's a good thing I never put my PlayStation in standby mode. I always just turn it off so I don't have to deal with that. Right. And I was not aware of SharePlay. Yeah, that's been, been new. That's the latest up firmware. So, I mean, your thing will have it, whether it, you know you ever use it or not. I, I, I've just been fiending on uh, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare for like the past week. So what I, happened to Destiny? You still at level nine? Huh? <laughs> 11. Oh. Level 11. Oh, shout out to you, Patrick. Right. <laughs> oh, that's Ivan. Ivan's the one tearing it up the game. He's but, in level 20 But But, but doesn't, doesn't, oh no, Patrick doesn't play Destiny. I'm sorry. Yeah, he doesn't have all, the all, one. All those, all those video game things, they're merging together. We're going to lose listeners if you keep mixing them up like that. No, no, no. I know who they are. I'm yeah. just trying to remember. Sure. Yes. All right. <laughs> Whatever. Let me have my geriatric moment. I've been hanging on mic too long. Come on, Captain. Uh, millions of people your life depend on us to get information out there. <laughs> I think it is millions of people that depend on us for information. <laughs> Your whole life is a geriatric one, isn't it? it? Are we gonna have a snapping battle right now? We're we gonna finish the quick news. What the fuck? We have company, and you guys act act out of out of. I'm out trying of to finish the quick news. I'm right. trying to. Make, oh, yeah. I'm trying to let him finish the quick news. You're the one that keeps interrupting. <laughs> don't try to make it about me. Don't make don't make yourself the victim. It's a bald hair Latino <laughs> battle. All right, and now back to the quick news. <laughs> <laughs> for once, he uses his fucking powers. Go ahead, Mike. All right, here's something that's not a teaser or rumor. What do human-devouring giants and Spider-Man have in common? More than you might be comfortable with. Marvel Comics Senior Vice President of Creative and Creator Development, C.B. Sabolsky, revealed a crossover between the Marvel Universe and Hijami Isayama's Attack on Titan. The announcement was made on November 3rd and is set to hit Japanese markets in two weeks. It has not been mentioned when American readers will have access to the books. What? Yep. I'll have access to it the moment it comes out. Yeah, I'm just curious how the internet. Well, hopefully it won't be in Japanese or your won't matter, will it? Who says I can't read Japanese? I did. (laughs) I I know you can't read Japanese. I know you can't read Japanese. I was pretty clear about that. That's what Google translates for. 
Yeah, yeah, because that never fails. (laughs) (laughs) Stinky toe munchie. What? (laughs) I could just see it now. It'd be like, and then it says that the Titans attack. Oh my God. Oh Lord. Oh, this is great. Could you translate that? No. (laughs) I'm still reading. (laughs) Who needs reading when you got pictures? Come on. You can just, you can follow along. That'll be great. (laughs) <laughs> all right well now let's break up this marvel fuck fest for a moment marvel and fuck fest did you have that written down yes i did oh wow <laughs> <laughs> and turn our attention and withering stares to dc comics all right months ago my beautiful sultry voice told you about a proposed move by dc from nyc to la well the move is happening and to cover the process of the move dc comics is beginning a storyline on april 1st no fooling called convergence beginning with issue number zero the story will run for nine weeks and will be a 40 two-part miniseries that will run in April and May spotlighting world storylines and characters from throughout the entire history of the DC Universe alongside a weekly eight-issue plus a zero-issue main miniseries. The series will take the place of all the currently published ongoing comics from the DC Comics for the entirety of April and May. Who is the big bad? Brainiac leads the charge, but a new villain named Talos will be introduced. Interesting. Yeah, they just basically said, fuck you all. You like your stories? Well, not for two months, you won't. (laughs) <laughs> so they're doing another uh, Villains Month is that what they're going to do no I mean that's the whole thing Convergence whatever this is going to be about you know it's going to take place for two months while they move <laughs> so what they're saying is we already have this created yeah we could have just created two months worth of the books it's kind of like it's kind of like when you had um, I mean I don't know about when you were in school because you know you all had one teacher for the entire day right back in the day back in the schoolhouse he sat behind Moses just nice <laughs> in, in 1992 <laughs> hold on there we go. <laughs> Dude, I'm black. I went to school with a guy named Moses. His sister's name was Crayola, and they had another brother named Mojave. So, well, that wasn't yeah. a joke. I was actually being Are excited. you serious? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I'm black. What do you kind of, what kind of names did you think were going to be in this classroom? <laughs> was, there, was, there always, was there also a, a Justice, a Freedom, and a Portia? Um, there was a Freedom, and there was also a Burn Nadette. <laughs> okay, I'm stopping now. Anyway, what I was trying I was to- going to go into Van Nessa. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, all I was going to say was, this reminds me of the time when back in the day when you'd go to um, junior high school, elementary school, and your teacher, I, I guess if they got injured or if they were gone for a really long period of time, the substitute would like play a movie right. for like four or five days. That seems like yeah. what DC's doing. Like, Let's keep everybody kind of like, you know, but, but busy. That, but, but like, you know, what Rob was pointing out, he was like, so they've written all this. And I'm like, yeah, why didn't you just write ahead two months worth of your books? It's Think about it. You went out of your way to make a 40-issue, two-part miniseries with eight main issues, or you just had to write two books in advance. It's only two months. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just two Batman stories. <laughs> that, that, that was it. They could have been two one-shots, you know, like, and you would have been right on time. So <laughs> I, I don't even know what's going on. So anyway. Ah, DC, doing yeah. it again. All, All right. I can just think about is just Batman on, like, the L.A. beaches or something, just, like, chilling out. <laughs> <laughs> That just sucks. Gotham don't feel like Gotham anymore. With a sign that says, my writers aren't working right now, so I'm on break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you pissed off enough? Yeah. Good. All right, now back to Marvel. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige has confirmed that the Avengers roster will be changed by the end of Avengers Age of Ultron. He doesn't seem to be hinting about additional members like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch either. Feige said, quote, the Avengers films, ideally in the grand plan, are always big, giant linchpins. It's like as it was in publishing when each of the characters would go up on their own adventures and then occasionally team up for a big 12-issue mega event. They would then go back to their own comics and be changed from whatever that event was. I envision the same thing occurring after this movie because the roster is altered by the finale of this film, end quote. 
Rumors abound that the new team will be unveiled in the Age of Ultron post-credits, possibly a splinter team aligned with Captain America. Hmm. We don't know. Hmm. Dum, dum, dum. Very interesting. I'm telling you, Marvel finds a way to make you excited. DC finds a way of just making you frustrated. Yeah, and angry. Seriously, they just make me angry. It's funny when you say angry and you're fucking all smiles, you're like, and angry. Yeah, that's how I fool people. They don't see the knife coming. <laughs> wow. I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> I am so mad at you. Cute as a Dickens. <laughs> what else we got there, MFG? All right, last but not least. Yes, yes, we know you've been waiting to hear this. In fact, you've already heard it, but you just wanted to hear it from me because I'm just me. Alrighty. Stroke, stroke. Ugh, go ahead. <laughs> Marvel Phase 3. Let's yes. hear the rundown right now. Go for yes. it. Alrighty. We have Captain America, Civil War, May 6, 2016. <laughs> this film was initially teased with the subtitle Serpent Society. It should have been teased that Captain America would be in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice because everyone else is in it. <laughs> All right. Doctor Strange, November 4th, 2016. A British albino is still only a rumor as the lead character. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 2, May 5th, 2017. I'm sure some ultra slick <laughs> subtitle will follow along with another mixtape. <laughs> Thor, Ragnarok, July 28, 2017. Chris Helmworth and uh, Chris Helmsworth, excuse me, and Tom Hiddleston returned in a movie title about the Twilight of the North Gods, not someone ragging on Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Black Panther, November 3, 2017, starring Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. This just in: Black man stars in movie not about getting booty, drugs, or out of jail. <laughs> Avengers: Affinity War Part One. We don't know that. <laughs> I'm <assuming>. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Affinity War Part 1, May 2018. Thanos goes glove shopping but can't find a matching pair. Anarchy ensues. <laughs> Go. You guys this is going to be a three-hour podcast. <laughs> Captain Marvel, July 6, 2018. This is the captain with boobs, not balls, and she certainly won't be saying Shazam. Yes. Inhumans, November 2, 2018. Black Bolt auditions for American Idol. Thousands killed. <laughs> if Lockjaw is in this film, can the Pet Avengers movie be far behind? Oh my God. No, please don't give ideas. Avengers Affinity War Part 2, May 3rd, 2019. Yes. Yeah. Thanos Gauntlet found at scene of crime. Is he guilty? If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. This just in CNN shows Thanos alongside OJ Simpson in slow moving white van followed by a fleet of police cars. <laughs> and that's all the news uh, I let's have. Let's give him a round of applause for that one. That was well done. That was well done. Well done. Well right, done. Thank you. <laughs> Mike, you really outdid yourself. That was really good. <laughs> I just want to say, in, in Black, ba- Black Panther's defense, he is the king of a whole country. So, you know, he probably has a whole bunch of holes and bitches, you know, and drinking and whatnot. <laughs> he's got Storm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Heaven forbid Storm. <laughs> Heaven forbid. But yeah, that was good. All right. <laughs> I, I remember when I first heard this news, I was alone in my apartment, and I saw the whole face where he's like, and nobody was there. I was like, I need somebody to talk to. So I like ran down to like where I like it's Tuesday night. So I know where and Mike are is going to be. So like I ran down. There's like, you guys need to hear this. It's interesting about uh, uh, what I uh, heard about uh, Chadwick Boseman as a T'Challa. I thought they were going to go with um, MFG actually to cover Black Panther. But that would have been he, good. But apparently he was too young. So they wanted to. Way too young. They, we're kissing up to the host. What's going on here? No, no, no. no, no. The, the, reason that, the reason they didn't have MFG as T'Challa is because they weren't going to go with him as T'Challa. They haven't. They were thinking about going about the great, great grandfather of the Black Panther. Please, I'm, I'm T'Challa in the younger years. Wow. You're delusional. <laughs> You're T'Challa's yearbook photo. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, man. Well, I, I agree with the Jazz about the whole when you heard about it, it just puts you in such a euphoria that you're like, 
Oh my god! Oh my god! He started texting people that you knew. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, like, there's a YouTube video of like somebody um, videotaping the um, the conference that you know Feige's like doing his whole Steve Jobs thing, and he has a PowerPoint, and like the lights go out, then you're like Black Panther, or just like <laughs> there's like sound effects and everything. The crowd goes nuts, and they show an amazing scene from uh, Age of Ultron that teases Civil War. Um, nice. They might as well have just called it Captain America Three, Iron Man Four. <laughs> for, for, the, for the subtitle, I'm really Civil War. I think is one of the films that I'm most excited about, just to see what they're gonna do. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I can't wait to see how they handle all this. It, it just sounds like, and I, I'm, I don't mean to keep beating the drum over and over again about Marvel being better than DC in this in this department. And you'd figure DC had Warner Brothers for all that time. Mm-hmm. They've been aligned forever. And you would figure that they'd have a bigger plan on this, where Marvel has kind of figured it out to kind of let it out in phases right. and have everything connected. They really dotted their I's and crossed their well, T's I mean, it was, so well. well. It's one of those things. It was their plan. I mean, you know, whether you like it or not, it was their plan. It's the difference between watching someone's plan come out and then watching someone try and jump on board and copy their plan. And that's what DC's doing. And again, not a fault of DC. I mean, you know, obviously everybody... You know, most of our world is made up of people coming off of a better idea, but it just it feels like DC is doing just that jumping on board instead of like stepping back and calmly really thinking out their plan. It just feels like a oh, I can do that too. Right? You know, look at us! Look at us! Look at us! You know, it just it just feels like that. So I'm just hoping that they have a better movies than their plan seems to be coming out with right now let's just put it that way so that's all of our quick news all the quick news or the long news in this this week hey you make me wait two weeks you get a long quick news oh here we go that's another jab at me i don't care <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny that we segue from and jazz you were about to say something i saw you kind of like put your hand up no it's just like the the whole thing is like when dc announced their slate up to 2020 they did it for a shareholders meeting right marvel they get the press and they get all the fans there and they put it in the theater and they have like sound effects and they just present it so much better. Yeah. So it's just, that's, that's, that's how you do it. That's how you get, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's how Marvel does it. It's like, well, I'm not going to make so that good. analogy. I was going to say, it's like whipping your dick out versus like slowly giving every inch. Just little by little. So Ralph, are yeah, you concerned Feige, about yeah, what Kat Kevin does Feige in his spare does time when he's not here? I'm just trying to give a good analogy. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you want to? Or do you just want to see Kevin Feige do a striptease? Like, no. what, what? <laughs> never thought of that. Never thought of that. <laughs> but on, on, let's just reveal one testicle and then <laughs> the other. Oh my god! <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> Coming <shot>. soon. <laughs> oh god! All right! All right! Let's get on to the first part, of the first segment of the podcast. Um, it's funny that you guys ended with. Um, DC and how DC needs to improve. The The first part of our show is actually talking about Arrow, something that I feel like DC has done very well. Their, their TV properties, they've handled very well. No, true. Or at least their, C, their CW mm-hmm. properties. Yeah. I mean, because we could talk about Gotham. I know that gets... We could. <laughs> we we <laughs> or, won't. Or we, we won't right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Or we just couldn't. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so our, um, what we're going to talk about is Arrow. I know a lot of people... In the podcast world, complain about we love your show, but you guys um, spoil a lot of things for us. So we can't listen to later on. So I hope you hear this in a couple of weeks and you enjoy it. <laughs> or fuck you, Kev. <laughs> wow, fuck you, Kev. We're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> so um, actually, let's start talking about Arrow season three. And with a synopsis, is Jazz. 
Well, <laughs> fuck yes. with, I'm fucking with you. I well, you should know you. the summary is I'm one episode behind all of you. So. <laughs> well, this is going to be a spoiler for you, too. <laughs> all right. So with the synopsis of Arrow season three, which I'm enjoying so much and it sounds like you guys are as well, is MFG, Mike, the finance guy. Well, let's get that spoiler alert going first. If he could just lay off of the texting or, or is it sexting? This segment may contain spoilers. So leave Ralph alone. Yes. Listen, when you're a ladies' man, you know, this is a 24-7 job, man. I didn't know you were a lady. Man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, go right. for it, Mike. All right. We all know I'm not a snitch, so I'm not naming names in this synopsis. So, picking up six months after our hero passed out like a big old girl just because he saw his mother stabbed in the heart, Arrow <laughs> Season 3 finds Starling City's favorite former murderous vigilante pitching woo with Starling City's favorite awkward computer genius. The city's crime rate is at an all-time low thanks to a couple of buff guys donning leather fetish outfits and displaying their stiff shafts in public to ward off evildoers. An ABM, that's an angry black man, became a baby daddy while an ADA finally resolved her daddy issues. CW continued the ethnic cleansing it began with the earthquake in season one by putting a white man in charge of the police force, but failed to notice a Latina who snuck in town and opened a boxing studio. The bratty sister cut her hair and her ties with her brother while learning how to drink hot coffee off the back of her hand. And a little birdie rushed to town for a high diving competition and made a lasting impression on a dumpster cover. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the show returns with our, all of our stars that we love and a couple of extras. We have Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen in the Arrow. We have Katie Cassidy as Laurel Lance. We have David Ramsey as John Diggle. We have Emily Bett Rickers as Felicity Smoke. I love Felicity Smoke. <laughs> um, Paul Blackthorne as Quentin Lance. Colton Haynes as Roy Harper. Willa Holland as Thea Queen. John, <laughs> I can't stand her. John Barrowman her. as Malcolm Merlin, J.R. Ramirez as Ted Grant, Brandon Routh as Ray Palmer, and Katie Lotz as Susan Lance slash Black Canary. Don't get too attached. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All hint, right. Hint. <laughs> so here we go. All right. So if, if obviously for those who are um, didn't shut it off for spoilers, you might want to shut it off now because we're going to go right into it. Yeah. Plus, people really love to hear my voice. <laughs> you will never find... Mm, 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 mm. It's like a velvety smooth molasses. <laughs> okay, let's start fucking talking about Arrow and stop trying to turn on the, our viewers. All right, so um, this season, how did you feel about um so far? How did you feel about how it opened? Because I feel like it, it moved in a, it had a different tone, it had a different kind of feel this time around as opposed to the first two openers. Well, I thought that the the actual opening episode it it was like a mishmash of stuff. It just felt like. It felt like they had a lot of competing ideas. Like there was ideas that they didn't want to get into in the in the story, mm-hmm. and but instead of removing them from the opening episode, they put them in there and just didn't throw them away. So that it just it it wasn't a really good opening episode. I thought. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it it just felt it felt like they were like on their sea legs, kind of like you know, yeah. kind of wobbly. Oh wow! I mean, wow! It's funny. I, I thought you would have enjoyed the the openings, um, the opening episode. Marcel, I don't know. I just I mean, I felt like it. it because it's one of the things we talk about when you have a universe and you have to explain certain things. Mm-hmm. And from season to season, sometimes they take too long saying, oh, well, that happened last season and that happened last season. And I felt like we kind of hit the ground running. Oh, it wasn't. That part didn't bother me. It's just that, like, like for instance, the, um, the affair with Felicity and Oliver. Right. That began and ended somewhere in, like, less than 30 minutes of that hour show. It was just, it was yeah. just, it felt like they were like, oh, we really don't want them together so it's like, so then why did you put them together? Like, you just could have not put them together. Well, I mean, if, if an explosion happens on your first date, I mean, that's a pretty big sign that's saying you should not be together. But that also means you probably have a problem with ejaculation. 
Not wow. that kind of explosion. <laughs> oh, well, he wasn't very clear. Ejaculation <laughs> <laughs> usually isn't very clear either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with, with Mike, you're not too sure because, you know, his explosions also take down whole buildings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> with a single sound. All right, all right. <sighs> so, okay, so, so you felt like it was like a mishmash of ideas that weren't completed or kind of like half-assedly com- completed. Yeah, kind of. I mean, again, not to, to say that it was, like I said, it wasn't a bad episode. It just... It wasn't as smooth as then, like episodes two, three, four, and five were. You know, I mean, it just felt a lot cleaner after. It just felt like they felt, I should say, it felt like they were trying to clean up something that they didn't necessarily have to clean up. All right. You know, like I said, like you know, if you didn't want Felicity and Oliver going um, going out, then you could have just had, like for instance, Diggle just say to Felicity or something, like you know, she's kind of looking a little bit mopier or like you know, sad eyed at, at at Oliver when he leaves again. And Diggle just could have been like, uh, it didn't work out. No, we tried, but it didn't work out. Okay. <laughs> All right. It was just weird. You yeah. Know. They just wanted to work an explosion in the show. Nice. <laughs> Jazz, how did you feel about, about the uh, first episode? Um, I really, really liked it. I think it was, it was like, the best thing I like about the show is the storytelling mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. it um, sort of lays out the way it drops plot points um, and the way it carries the story throughout the season, I thought it. I thought it was a really good way to pick up after season two. Like it didn't start right. It like when it starts, it's not right after season two ends. Right. Like there's time pass. You see the arrow. He's kicking ass. I'm so glad we're done with Roy Harper's bitching phase. Um, <laughs> so far, I'm so glad that like I've. I think uh, Red Arrow's costume is awesome. I oh, think, that was really uh, his cool. cost. His costume is sweet. And it's, I feel like his mask is a little dinky, but the but the co- but the, but the outfit looks great. Yeah, yeah the, the outfit al- looks great. And it looks right. It's just cool to see him. Um, all around, like going around um, Starling City, just kicking ass and doing stuff. I'm, I am glad that they, they have not shown the um, collapsible bow since the first episode. I love that collapsible. It was cool with that. It was cool, but it was like because <laughs> uh, because like in a later episode, he's like fighting, so he's like blocking like a sword with a bow. It's like wait, that's supposed to that's supposed to be collapsible. <laughs> it no locks way. in place. <laughs> Oh. Versus a sword. Okay, sure, fine. I really like it. I think it's off to a very, very strong start. And oh, after no, the first no. episode, it just keeps getting better and better. It's such a great show. Yeah. I feel that way as well. Ralph, what do you think? First episode, Arrow, season three, how did that feel? Awesome. Okay, now give me more than that. Give me more than awesome. All right. <laughs> From the start of the show, I just thought, like, I didn't like the fact that they teased us with Felicity Smoke and, and Oliver. You know, it's like, They'd seem like they would be a really good couple together. Oh, they they are they are my ideal couple. I I don't want to see him get together with Laura Lance. I don't like the actress that's playing yeah. Laura Lance. This is one of the times where I wish they wouldn't follow canon and be like, yeah. okay, yeah, Green Arrow's supposed to be with Black Canaries. Like, no, fuck that. Green Arrow's gonna be with Felicity. Smith. Yeah, yeah, because they are very compatible. Like, I didn't like with the fact that I mean, I shouldn't say I didn't like it. The the Ray Palmer character is fine. Um, I just don't like the fact that they seem to be attempting to. Well, they'll kind of pair up because you know they're mm-hmm. both awkward geeks. It's like. Yeah. Well, first of all, his wife's already been in the previous uh, year's episode, you know. Right. Granted, I don't think they're married yet, but if you want to follow <laughs> stories, then that's right. his wife. I guess he, he likes cougars because, you know, she seems kind of old. Yeah, she was. Yeah. <laughs> She's like a bitter old matron. <laughs> and then other than that, you know, it, it sort of pissed me off a little because like, you would think that this guy who has years of training wouldn't realize he has a tracker on him. Yeah. Know? And it's like, but whatever. So watching it, I was like, all right, it's, it's got better, got better. And then just that that shocking ending where, you know, um, what's her name? Sarah, Sarah, Lance. Sarah, Sarah Lance. Sarah Lance gets those arrows and it's like, she, and they leave you hanging. It's like, what are you doing here? And then she's just arrows to the chest and then she yeah. just falls then out. Boom, dumpster. Yeah. I'm seeing that and being like, because what's interesting is that 
and and one of the great things about having a podcast is that going back and looking about how you viewed a show from the beginning, and then going back later on and say, okay, you know, because I remember me in the beginning, I wasn't so interested in watching The Arrow. I was. Now, now yeah. I love it. Well, also, Mike and I have a thing about archers that you know, archers are one of the more useless heroes in the DC universe. But comments. now, you know, we're kind of DC and Marvel. Well, yeah, DC and Marvel, yeah. But now we're kind of I won't say eating crow. We know, but we're kind of taking some of those words back because Arrow's such a great show, and they keep it in that world where you're not fighting, you know, dark side. Yeah. Right. So, so it makes it interesting and fun. So now to watch this happen and to watch, I'm like, okay, Sarah's gonna stay around for a while. Sarah's gonna stay around. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, maybe she'll just live. Oh wait, she just crashed into the dumpster. <laughs> I remember. I remember like when I first saw the first season out on Netflix. I binged watched the entire first season. When it was like 24 episodes yeah. within five days. <laughs> so good. My, it is I, really I good. got I got Gigi into watching it now because Gigi was like, okay, well, she's watching the. She watched the Flash. She picked up on that fast, and I and I said, well, really, the Flash passed. I hate your puns. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> oh god! But yeah, so um, Gigi's watching the Flash. Same thing. She, she watched the Flash, and she was like, "Well, Arrow showed up a couple of times." And Felicity Smoke, I've heard you mention she's from she's from Arrow. I said, "Yeah, you gotta watch Arrow." Now she's watching Arrow, the first season. She's and it's and she had the same problem that I did. It took a little slow to kind of right. pick up, especially when you don't know who Oliver Queen is and his and relative to like who everybody else is. Well, see, that's what I like about Arrow is that it is self contained, even though it's not like Smallville where they really just tried to say oh nothing else exists i mean things exist out there it's just you don't need to know who the green arrow is they're going to tell you who he is and they've made him what he is to the point that i think people pre- prefer him over the older oliver queen now i mean i enjoy like 70s green arrow because it was a lot more um topical you know so the, you know and he would he would just tell the league you know go fuck off you know that kind of thing i kind of like that about him but this rendition is really good and like it didn't take me any time to warm up to the show that first episode when he snapped that guy's neck because he's like you saw my face yeah. i was like holy shit no one must know <laughs> <laughs> when i saw that i was like holy shit, this ain't your daddy's green arrow yeah. when when that happened i actually picked up the remote and i'm like record series <laughs> Was that the moment where you Seriously, it was. I was like, record series now. <laughs> and your TV was like, no. <laughs> but I still haven't changed my mind on archers in the comic books. I, I still can't stand them because they don't work right for me. Yeah, but I mean, but I, I remember us when we would have our initial talks back in 05 and 06. Like, right. oh, archers, who fucking needs them? 1905? Are you trying to say I'm that old too? <laughs> have you seen a mirror? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need a mirror. I can look over your shiny ass forehead. <laughs> Oh, we're, 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 we're smoking today. Oh, but that big head, you can only see, what, one-third of your face? It's <laughs> not a four-head, that's a five-head. <laughs> it's yes, eight-head, thank you. <laughs> anyway, going back to Arrow, speaking of A's, um, I, just, I mean, the ending of the first episode just kind of threw me off because it's funny that Ralph says, you know, there's a part of you that doesn't want us to stay in canon for, for, for them to not make Laurel Lance um, Black Canary. Yeah, I And you're like, okay, well, that. you know, and I thought maybe they would keep Sarah as Black Canary. And right. even though they hinted at times of, you they know, Laurel hugging hint. the jacket. They and- didn't hint. They threw it in your, when she said, here, take my jacket. And she was just like, kind of fits really well or something like that. It was like, that wasn't even a hint. That was flat yeah, but, in your face. But that, was me hope, black but that was me hoping, no, 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 no. Maybe she's not going to turn to Black Canary. Maybe, you know, at the end of the series, like Superman flying at right. the end of Smallville, that she would become Black Canary. And that's okay because, you know, right. but now. Show's over. They, they kill fucking Sarah. Sarah Lance is done. Right, and they make sure that you know she's dead in all the next episodes. Oh yeah, I'm surprised they didn't like have her fall off the dumpster, then a car ran over her, you know, <laughs> then it exploded. Just like, <laughs> hey, hey, that's safe that we're lifting and slipping. 
right on her head or something. <laughs> no, it's a piano. Just <laughs> all you need is the the, the steamroller to come and just pave her on there like in a cartoon. Well, way. it's funny because it's like when um have you ever seen um South Park when Ten- when Kenny dies and they try to prove he's dead? Right. Okay, oh, that die and they'll pull off his head. He's dead. He's dead. It's kind of like what they did with <laughs> right. Arrow. Like you might as well open up the body bag and show the the, the, the rotting corpse and shit. <laughs> That's how bad I, I'm like, wow, they're really making sure we know that she's not coming back. Right. Just like, well, like, what I'm really glad about it is that in that moment in season two, when she does get the jacket, she's like, oh, looks, looks good on you. Everybody knows Black Canary. But what I'm so glad is that when season three started, it's all like, oh, she's now the Black Canary. I like that. Oh, yeah. Again, it's the storytelling of her. She's going to become the Black Canary. Right. It's not like a certain other DC show where they're like, oh, here's the Penguin. Here's Riddler. Here's Cap- here's everything you could possibly want. And we're just going to throw it out you in one episode. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I mean, so that shall not be named on this podcast. <laughs> Gotham, damn it. Yeah, but uh, well, I mean, I had said that at the end when we were reviewing season two. Uh, you know, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was after season two. It was during the summertime when I was talking about the news. Once they said that, uh, you know, um, J.R. Ramirez was going to be Ted Grant, and you know that there would be some relationship between him and Laurel Lance. I'm like, yeah, he's going to train her. And lo yeah. and behold, I'm like, there was no mystery there. I was, and I was just like, <sighs> I forgot about Wildcat being part of it. And then when I saw him, I was like. Oh, I see. Oh. What, what do you think of the idea that it's a young wildcat? Not an I'm okay with that. I'm actually a little bit disappointed. I actually, really? I mean, I didn't want to see like 60-year-old wildcat, but I would like to have seen like a nice 40 to mid-40s gray-templed wildcat. Like in other words, like literally the, like, the owner of the gym, which he is, and but like, you know, well-respected, you know, career, like never lost a fight, you know, that kind of a thing. And just, I, I think that it just would have been what it should have been, a mentoring thing. But right. I guess also we have to have the potential love interest, but it won't work out, you know. Some weird sort of karate kid spit off feature. Well, you know what it will be. I mean, come on, he's a good looking guy. There's no way there's there's no other Latina there, so he has no one else to love but in there. Wow. So, so he gets Laurel for a while. How about um in last week's episode where um she's finally come back, she's realized what she needs to do, right? And um she's like, All right, I, now I know how to train you. That's what Ted says to her. Right. And then he's he's showing her the 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 sweaters and he's like, All right, what do you want? Red or black? And she's like, Black, always black. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wesley Snipes was always excited. That's my line. No, it wasn't Wesley. It was always bet on black. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down and we'll put your ass back in jail. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't bothered too much about the whole Ted Grant thing because you're making everybody else younger. But well, yeah. I do agree with your point about, you know, making him a little bit older, like in his 30s, you know. I just would have preferred. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I just would have preferred a mentor thing. But, you know, CW is all about young. I mean, it's all about young and pretty. Oh, yeah. Very pretty. What yeah. about um, the eccentric uh, Ray Palmer? Who seems like he's like out of there? Like, yeah, I mean, I just think they're playing it too much. But at the same time, with Brandon Roth, that might not be what they were going for. But that's what they're getting. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, um, he's like, all right, Brandon. Here's what we want you to do. Remember when you played Superman? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> okay, don't act. Wow. <laughs> he's actually um, not doing a bad job. No, I like, he's, he's, no he's doing fine. a good. I like doing him. A, He's doing like a good that. Ray Palmer, but it just seems like he's like eccentric and he's like walking in but like, the, oh. so I was thinking about this 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 I'm like, what? but the thing is it's like the humor level and, and, and this really is I mean I, I've never watched the show up until this point I was bored one night and I turned on it's that oh what's that show with like all those older female actresses now um, Betty White's on it like Hot in Cleveland was oh, on yeah. like TV land and I had never seen it before and it turned it on and lo and behold and I don't know if he was a recurring character or what but Brandon Roth was on it and it, they made it sound like he's been on it before because like this woman I think took over the lease of his apartment or something like that and he was acting exactly the same, except he was supposedly a an unintelligent actor trying to get a job. Yet he still acted just like Ray Palmer. And I'm like, oh, this is his comedy acting. In other words, he doesn't really know any other way to be humorous than to be awkward and kind of right. out there. 
So I'm like, ah, okay, we have seen the limits of your acting ability, then, haven't we? <laughs> no, like, I, I like I like Ray Palmer's character, but I like it that's not we're not oversaturated with it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like we get it in bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Like another really cool moment. I was talking to uh, MFG about this is that when they're at Queen Consolidated and the arrow comes crashing through the window and rolls, you see uh, Ray Palmer dive out of the way, turn around, and look at the arrow, and you know that like and that's an excellent tease to the atom. Right. That was an excellent just well because the look um, in his eyes was just kind of like there. wow a hero that's kind of that's yeah. kind of cool is that like, you know a little spoiled rich kid i want to be that i want to do that too yeah but yeah. well, it's which is kind of weird though like every time that you know when you introduce characters to a show but yet he's supposedly been there yeah, yeah. so you're just kind of like well, you're like a billionaire we've never heard of before and you seem I mean, not again, like seeing it live is definitely different than seeing it on a news report, but it was just kind of like he was so wide-eyed seeing the arrow. It's like, haven't you ever seen him before? What, <laughs> what about the whole thing of him trying to rename the city to Star City? Oh, yeah, I like that. Well, that was just because that was a big um, question a lot of fanboys had. They're like, why did you call it Starling City? Why didn't you just call it Star City? Because that's the name of the city. Right. So it was interesting that for whatever reason, they seem to want to lean in that direction now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, yeah, Interesting. it's just weird. It's like, well, why didn't you just name it Star City to begin with? This couldn't have been a big plan of yours. Renaming the city should not be a hinge point for my story. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, what do you think about how, because you also have Flash in the same universe, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you feel of, there's going to be multiple crossover oh, between yeah. those two. Well, I already, one of my quick news is, I'm sure you don't listen to it. No, you, you, do, you do a quick news? Sometimes. Um, no, he just I, got here. What are you <laughs> no, I had mentioned that uh, Digger Harkness, uh, Captain Boomerang, is going to appear on Arrow first. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, didn't even say that he was going to be on The Flash, but I, I guarantee you there's going to be some kind of a crossover. Because it makes no sense to introduce one of Flash's rogues on Arrow. That just makes no sense unless you're going to bring the Flash to town or have Arrow go to his town. Now, the question is, gentlemen, do you like that idea? I actually do like it. Um, the Flash is another great show. No, we're not talking about it um, on this particular podcast. But is that it's different from Arrow. Mm-hmm. The Flash is a different show altogether from Arrow. But right. they still have just enough in common so you can do a crossover and it yeah. won't be weird. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like the differences, though, because it, I mean, it's the way Flash always was. He's a brighter character. And I like that. You know, and that they're very clear about that. You know, it's I don't bright as in intelligence or bright as in color. Uh, both actually, okay. but um, but you know, but I mean, it's just not just the color. I mean, he, his whole storyline is always brighter. You know, uh, the Flash never had like you know, he didn't have decisions with like the the, the Dark Knight kind of feel. Oh, he's not know? Chris Nolan Flash. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's just that I mean, just Flash has just never been a gritty character, yeah. right? You know, his all of his stuff is all like generally his stuff takes place in the daytime. You know, a lot yeah. of stuff that he he handles. Which is really weird. I'm like, so in Central City, robbers actually rob places in the daytime. Don't they find that a little bit inconvenient? Well, they, <laughs> Considering there's people in the places by that point? They figure, you know, uh, uh, no one's done this before, so they wouldn't be expecting it. Exactly. Yeah. You know. But uh, <laughs> I, that, it flashes for another time. Though, I but, say yeah. bring on the crossovers. Oh, yeah. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, though, I, I, I did think like when he was, uh, when they first had him come over to talk to um, Oliver, I think Barry should have been like, ah, oh, thanks for the talk. By the way, I put all the criminals in jail. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can't even lie. I'm definitely digging the crossovers because I think it, it's also smart for CW to do that because if you, like Gigi, caught onto Flash before Arrow, 
Right. And you get a little curious. Oh, I like this show. I wonder what the Arrow's about. Now you've got them. You got the two in one thing. You know, right. and, and the vice versa. The people that love Arrow but would think, oh, Flash is going to be stupid. You know, exactly. Like yeah. So, so you know, you get you get them sold on on, on both shows. I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I think he's bringing it on. I, I, but um, or Ralph had just mentioned uh, something about this more recent episode. So we saw Felicity Felicity Smokes' mom. You know, the porn star. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, she was great. She did a great job. Wait, and it was, she it was hot. Oh, she's absolutely beautiful. Um, oh my she, okay. was, She's not really a porn star. She just dresses like a porn star and oh, okay. she's she's really she's really beautiful she's a woman. las vegas showgirl you know but um but the funny part about that was that uh you know <laughs> the, one of the big points about their their talk is that you know she's like you know you're nothing like me i don't see any you know me and you did i'm like you should have seen what she wore on the flash <laughs> evidently she brought one of mom's outfits oh when, when she came for, for, for the for the, um, for the, the trivia for, night the which day, she yeah. didn't realize was trivia night <laughs> she's like i guess i'm overdressed <laughs> i was like holy smokes <laughs> holy felicity smokes <laughs> <laughs> overdressed she was underdressed because you know this that dress had a lot of holes in it strategic <laughs> holes <laughs> strategic holes. i was okay with that <laughs> no, it was just it was just really funny to see that because it was just like you know to see her there and then to see her mom a week later, you're like, okay, I guess you guys really didn't think about how that plotted out exactly. Right. <laughs> you know. Oh, mom. <laughs> that was a fun episode. That was the last episode recently, The right? very last episode yeah. with uh, Felicity five years ago with her, her jet black wig. I actually thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> but, but did you notice, though, especially um, one of the last flashbacks, um, and I know, Jazz, you said you hadn't seen it, but uh, one of the last flashbacks when she's talking and um, she's got her jet black hair and stuff like that, um, the, uh, the black wig, and... I think she's just got some kind of a, a plain T-shirt, but she's got a big silver ankh, and she looked just like Death from Neil Gaiman, which is also another oh, DC character. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was, that was completely an homage to that, you know, because she looked exactly like Death. Oh, so, is that to see that again? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I'm, well, I want to go back a couple of episodes. What did you think of um, the return of Raja Ghoul's or Raisha Ghoul's other daughter, Nisa? Yes, Anissa. Um, that's fine. I mean, I think she's fine. I like her as a character. I thought we were going to be done with her. <laughs> um, well, you know, she's got to get her revenge for her woman. But I mean, I, I I like her. I just think Talia's overdone, and I really don't like Talia that much. You know, as time goes on. Um, so I mean, it's just it's just another character. I mean, she's not. I don't find her overly interesting. You know, she just serves her purpose as this kick-ass female assassin of the League of Assassins. But what about this whole thing now, where the League of Assassins is pretty much going to go up? Uh, uh, have a war with Oliver Queen as Green Arrow. Well, it'll be interesting because I'm. I personally wonder if uh, Rachel Gould himself did it. I, 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 you know, it wouldn't surprise me if somehow he was involved. I mean, you know, I, I know the teaser um, for next week is that we see Roy Harper imagining that he's killed her. Yeah, dreaming. Right. You know, but you know that's a teaser, so we'll find out what that goes on. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if Rachel Gould, or even if Rachel Gould was the one that had him kill her. You know, through you know drugs or whatnot. Or yeah. yeah. That would be very interesting. Well, even uh, who was it that was talking about um, that possibility to begin with? Was it? Oh, it was Merlin. Because Merlin was just like, you know, you're, it wouldn't be anything above your father to, to have more control over you. Because remember, he called That's her, right. he called, I think he called their love like an abomination. Yeah. You know? So it was just very interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. And we got a chance to see who's going to be playing yeah. Rachel Ghoul. Not like I didn't tell you already. But I sure. know you did, but but, but now we got this. <laughs> you we said got this it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just rag on please don't get, Please don't get him started on that. God. <laughs> what, Gary Oldman playing Rachel Gould? <laughs> <laughs> Gary Oldman. <laughs> um, the guy who's playing Rachel Gould now, now we got to see him in yeah. you know in the show looking like the guy. How do we feel about that? And, and not yeah. mind you, we've only had one other Rachel Gould live action, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then we've had Batman in the Animated Series with right. their version and then the movie of... 
under um uh, under the Red Hood. Right. So we've had a couple of versions of Rachel Gould, two live, two animated. Was well, it, and he was also in the animated series several times. Well, as I said, Batman oh, okay. series, yeah. Was it only me or did he look a little bit like the Mandarin? I guess, yeah. I, I suppose. Mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't think outfit, about it. The outfit that he was wearing and then he also had all these rings on. So like, it felt like he was like, he looked like the Mandarin a little bit. No, but this time he's actually Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> <laughs> not some actor. Um, I, I had no problem with the character. I, you know, I mean, I'm not so like huge Ra's al Ghul that it's like, oh, I have a certain expectation. I mean, I, the guy looked fine. I'm sure he'll be fine. You know, I just want to see how they're going to build this. I mean, are they going to go along with all of uh, Ra's al Ghul's normal season? In other words, do Lazarus pits exist? Right. You know, are, is that, and if they do... I don't mean this year, but next year, are we going to see the, you know, revival of Sarah Lance? Because it's not like they don't, well, they actually do know exactly where she's buried because Nissa knows where she's buried. Right. And you would think that of all people, she'd be like, no, I'm just going to take this body back and revive her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be an interesting point. I, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's like, they won't notice it, uh, if I dig up a grave that's already been dig- dug up. So it's okay. Nah, but she's part of the League of Assassins. She's like, I'll dig it up. And what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm part of the League of Assassins. Fuck you. I got could, this. Could you imagine just like going through customs with a dead body like that? It's like, yeah, uh, often. Do you have anything to <laughs> declare? Uh, no. You just have a <laughs> coffin right there with you. Well, no, I mean, I mean, the way I do it, I just take it piece by piece. So, <laughs> or, or maybe I've said too much. <laughs> How do you feel about that jazz? <laughs> about... <laughs> Not about the body parts. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Jazz is like, let me just take a step back. How about Rachel yeah. Gould's no, role in this show? I think I could think it'd be really cool. I mean, he's he's really big in uh, in the DC world. Uh-huh. Um, I, as far as um, what he looks like and who plays him, I don't have an issue with that. But um, one thing, Rachel Gould, in no matter what medium we see him, if it's video games or if it's animation or even live action, Rachel Gould has a presence to him. That you know the way uh, Nissa introduces herself. Uh, I am heir to the demon, mm-hmm. like so. He has this. If you're not already familiar with Rachel Ghoul, the way the show sets it up, that he is this powerful. He's the head of the assassins. He has a presence and sort of a fear that goes with his name. And I hope they don't dumb that down at all. True. I expect in like I hope that whenever we see him, he is Rachel Ghoul. That like. He has that royalness to him. Yeah. Well, I'm that expecting. I hope to see. Well, I'm expecting, like you know, like he'll be somewhere, and Oliver will sneak up, and Ray will just be like, "Oh, oh, you startled me." <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> what about? Uh, remember in the second episode, I think it was when uh, when Nissa kidnaps um, Thea, mm-hmm. and she's like, "My father may be the demon, but yours is the devil." I think that was yeah. the third episode. Yeah, third yeah. episode. I I didn't really like that because. That was now making Merlin more dangerous than Rachel Gould. Well, I didn't no, like that. Let well, I me, mean, you know, it just, it just didn't. I didn't like any comparison that makes Rachel lesser in any manner, even, of, even of being evil. The way, the way I, I saw it was that um, the League of Assassins exists and they have a purpose. They're not necessarily evil. They're supposed to be a balancing force in a way. I agree. I, I agree with so that assessment. She's saying that her father may be a demon, but this guy, he's, he's actually pure evil. Merlin is pure evil and. That's why she. Awesome. I was looking at that way also. Yeah, I was looking at that also. Like, like she's saying that um, that Rachel Gould, you know, because the League of Assassins, they have morals and values. Right. I mean, they have their way of doing things. You might not agree with it, but they have their own code. Where they're saying Merlin doesn't really have a code. I mean, that's the way I felt about it also. No, I mean, it's a very true point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Of course, Merlin does have his own code. It's just all about Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> that is I just his think code. Willa Holland's hot. Just. <laughs> 
What? I, Willa Holland's hot. Thea? Oh, Thea. Yeah, Thea. Now with the short hair, I, I agree. Before, I was like, eh, and I'm like, wow, the, well, with the short hair, she looks I good. I just can't stand her. As long as they keep putting her in loose-fitting clothing, I can't see it. Because before, like, there were times when she was wearing their pants and, like, the shirts, and it's like... It shows no form whatsoever. If you haven't heard the show before, Ralph has this thing about like upward shot superhero asses. <laughs> Just saying. Well, you know, she's I think, still hot. Yeah, she's she's what, still hot, but it doesn't show as much. Right, but I think what they're doing is saying that she's she's grown in that way. In other words, she's not perceiving herself as like a chick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that. So she's, now she's a dude. No, that she's just not being a chick. Notice I didn't say a woman. I said a chick. Yeah. You know, I, I think she's saying that like I'm growing up. I don't need she's to be in a tight outfit in yeah. every every scene. I'm just like you know, this is me. I'm now basically comfortable in my own skin and right. and finally uncomfortable clothing. And, and how do we feel <laughs> about her transformation? About her? <sighs> going, wow, are you really? No, I, not really. Oh, I just don't on. like her. No, her transformation's fine. Actually, I just don't like her, and not the actress. I mean, I just don't like the character. Yeah. Um, the actress does a fine job, you know, everything like that. Um, and and I did like her learning process. I I like the fact that there were stumbling blocks, but still. Six months, she's a killer assassin. Do you, well, it's we, evidently really easy. We actually don't know what the extent of her powers is. We don't know what fully she can do yet. I would be, I, I agree with you if it turns out that after six months, she, she can go like, if she can go toe-to-toe with the arrow, for example. Well, she will be at some point. You know she's going to at least go toe-to-toe with Roy. I mean, she has to. They're you always, know, at least, you know, you think they're she, frenemies. You think she'll become Artemis? No, she's going to become Cheshire. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, that but, one but, moment in the episode before Thea Queen gets kidnapped when Roy just jumps and does the flip over the car. Yeah. I was like, really? Did you just... <laughs> yeah. Like, I know you want to show off her, but really? Yeah, that flip, I, that flip was... so, But it was really cool flip. Yeah, but it, it was really But it was really, really, really cool funny. And I love her only reaction. Oh, you've been training a lot with the arrow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> really, that's all you got to say? Not like, holy shit! <laughs> you know, like, but, um, but no, she should be Cheshire. Because, the only reason I say that is because, again, in the comics, that's Roy Harper's love. They have a child together. So he's with Cheshire. That's true. You know, and there's no reason to make her another archer. In fact, I God, that would be horrible if they did. I mean, just that would just be enough. Because well, you because, only ever see her with a sword and a bow staff, and that's good enough. Well, every when Arrow first started, they thought that she was going to become uh, Red Arrow because he kept calling her Speedy. Right, but that was just for the sake of it, you know. But uh, because I mean, he did have Speedy as a female, you know, um, there a was female, a female Speedy, yeah. yeah. But I don't know if she's still alive. I know she had AIDS or something like that. And Damn, then, yeah. <laughs> she had AIDS or something like that. I don't just know. Like I mean, dark just, turd here. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not being funny. She did that. That was that was that was what DC a- thought is a- was not funny. <laughs> they thought that was really progressive. I'm like, really, you're going there? We're talking about DC also. Yeah, so, that's why I said they thought they were being progressive. All right, so another question. We all know that Black Canary has a sonic, you know, power there, right? And that she used that disc to do it. Uh, no, no, I mean in the comics, right. she has a, like a sonic mm-hmm. blast that she shoots out. Do you think they're going to do something with Laura where no. either she's affected by the cloud that happened in Central City? No. no. Or like um, Ray Palmer developing his Adam stuff develops uh, also something that will allow her to shoot a sonic blast or no. something? I say no, only because that will be begging way too much from the audience. I mean, you know, because then it's like, all right, what kind of accent are you going to conveniently have her? I just had a sore throat, so I went and had my whole larynx replaced. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Um, I just think that would be begging too much. But could I see that if they ended up making a 10-year career out of this and, like, you know, the last seven years sucked somehow? Sure. I could see them doing a Smallville if they really tried. Because the episode where um, Ray Palmer gets Felicity to 
fix that hard drive. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn there was something inside that said like Sonics or something. I don't remember noticing that. I mean, it was all definite military-like equipment because yeah. I actually yeah. paused and rewound it to look at it, but there was nothing that made me think of that per se. But at the same time, he might build her a better Sonic screen, you know, because like, you know, I did like the fact that since they were trying to keep it a little bit more real, that she had a device that did that. Yeah, you know, a better sound of scream, like a better mousetrap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just think it'd be funny if, like, she goes out and had her larynx replaced, and she comes up and she's like, "Hello, Oliver, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I've been going to my AA meetings. <laughs> <laughs> they really help me. <laughs> By the way, when can I tell my dad that her sister's dead? <laughs> all right, all but, right. But I also would like to to see if the, if they did replace her larynx with that, you know, sonic device, just to see. Uh, her out, let out the scream and then you see her teeth blow out. <laughs> wow. You don't like kids or Laura Lance. Oh, That's... please. Who was not cheering when she got her ass beat the hell up? <laughs> I know you were. Oh, Ooh. I was. I was like, go back, kick her again. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's like, if you're going to beat me up, you better do it right. I think it would be cool if they teased the uh, the canary cry or something. What is it called? I think it would be, it'd be, it would be a cool nod if they teased it. But if they actually brought it into the show, I don't. I'm just curious to see how it would work because I don't think I don't think you really have to do it. Yeah. You no, don't have to at all. Well, there's no need. I mean, they brought in the Black Canary without it already, and I think people liked her. I mean, it's just it's really not much of a difference. But again, you know, they probably will have something that's going to distinguish her in some way differently. That's why it wouldn't surprise me, for instance, again, if like maybe Ray Palmer built a device that she could carry on her. It doesn't have to project maybe from the throat or face area, but just maybe it's on her wristbands or something like that that she's able to project the sound. I'm not liking it, but it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that maybe in another year or something. I, I, but I really wouldn't be happy with that. You know? Do you think also, because you know, we've just noticed that she started training, what, like two episodes ago, mm-hmm. right? So how long do you think before she's actually, they have, have her like on the street, you know? Oh, Oliver I, I say probably in the next two episodes, yeah. apart personally. Because don't forget, she also had that personal uh, defense, self-defense training yeah, yeah. that she's used so many oh, times. God, yeah. <laughs> you know? So she already has a little edge. It, it helped her when she was getting her ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, I know she forgot everything. <laughs> ah, help me. <laughs> all right. So, I oh, mean. One other question. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Where's Oliver getting all of his money from? That he keeps saying he doesn't. Oh, that's have, right. I'm like, how many hours are, are you like going back to the police station and stealing them back? I mean, well, you know. Remember those five years that he spent on the island, mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, he made some money off of Amanda Waller, so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that he's supposed to be dead broke, but I mean, you know, it's just that. His operation seems to be just fine. You know, I'm like, where are you getting all this money from? My question is, Theo's reopening the club. Right. How long is that lie that the the sub-basement is flooded is going to work? Well, also, the fact that he said that it never did open, but, you know, the police had gone down there once before, and I think she was involved with the club by that point. She should have known about that. But also, she didn't seem very concerned about that door when she owned the club. I mean, when she was managing the club. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those weird things, but it is like so. You guys are just going to stay there. It doesn't seem really secure. Yeah. Well, eventually she's <laughs> and, gonna. She, and, he's gonna tell her that he's the arrow. So. Right. Well, that's. What I kept trying to remember. I thought she was told, but I guess that was the mother that Deathstroke told. I thought for some odd reason that someone told Thea that her brother was the arrow. No, 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 no. He, I know Deathstroke told about. He, he lied hinted, about the other. He had yeah. hinted. You know, I have something to tell you. And then when right. she came in and went to go talk to Ali, I think we all thought that. And then she ends up saying something else. Well, he, well, no. Um, Deathstroke then said that uh, Malcolm Merlin was her father. father that, right. No, but I said I just kept thinking that someone eventually told her. I thought Merlin told her, but Death I think Stroke I told her. Deathstroke told. Deathstroke told Thea that um, Oliver was the arrow. No, no, no. no, no, no. Deathstroke no, no. told um, Moira, I think. 
could have sworn it was Thea. No, he didn't tell oh. Thea. Okay. He didn't tell Thea. He, the th- he's like, but that's why I thought Merlin told Thea. He, he's that's like, they're keeping sure. the secret from you. And then the whole secret was that Merlin, Malcolm Merlin was her father. Right. That was what Deathstroke said. But I thought, I, for some reason, thought Malcolm Merlin told her, but I guess there wouldn't have been time for him. But at the same time, that's also weird. Like, why wouldn't he just tell her that? I mean, that's not going to mean much of anything else. Like, in other words, it's been six months that she's been with him. Why not just be like, oh, by the way, your brother at night, he goes out as, you know, as the arrow. Yeah. It, it might actually, because then the whole thing that she was like, oh, they're lying to me. They're lying to me. That might actually explain why they were lying to her. So it could actually make her more sympathetic to Oliver. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it would still be a lie. Yeah. But yeah, it's understandable. Know. Yeah. I mean, I guess that he's doing good, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that kind yeah. of thing. But yeah. Okay. But did anybody else love that loft? Oh, oh man. <laughs> I don't know how many millions of dollars that you have to see this place she's going to be living in. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> insane. <laughs> it's big enough that she asked Oliver to move in with her. Yeah, right. He, and probably wouldn't even see him again. <laughs> <laughs> he found a way to push her out. <laughs> see, ya, see, ya, see ya. All right, guys, let's go into it. Ratings. What? How did you feel? So, what is your rating so far of Arrow Season 3 MFG? My rating is simply 9. Why couldn't Laurel be the dead sister out of 10? <laughs> okay, all right. Ralph? I give it nine amazing arrows to the chest out of 10. Good. All right. <laughs> I'm going to give it nine and a half perfectly placed green and red masks out of 10. Jazz? Nine broken back vertebrates over a dumpster cover out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we all like fucking with Laurel. <laughs> and so does, so does Ollie, obviously. <laughs> all right, so there you have it. Arrow, season three, not quite done yet, and we're glad it is not quite done yet. So we'll be back with more. Meanwhile, 22 pages later, after I ask Mike, do we have any chips? No. Fuck. <laughs> hey, guys, this is The Cap, letting you know that your voice is important. We still want to hear from you. Tell us what you thought of our last episode. Channel your inner Mike the Finance Guy and let us know if we got something wrong, which he's really good at doing. Help us with Geeks on the Go questions, or even compliment us on our horrible impersonations. Your impersonations aren't that bad, Doc. Thanks, Kev, even though I thought that was. So, <laughs> show us some nerd love on Twitter, at Meanwhile22, or like our page on Facebook. You can also check out our website at Meanwhile22PagesLater.com. That 22 is a number. And if you have enough time, send us a positive review on iTunes. Wow. We're really begging, aren't we? Now let's get back to the show. It can only be answered a book at a time. It can only be answered a book at a time. It can only be answered a book at a time. Oh, hell no. I cook for you people. Ain't no way in the hell we're doing Mike's Shelf today. Are you serious? We haven't done Mike's Shelf in like, what, three months? Well, that gives me time to look back at that shelf again. <laughs> Find something else to do. Oh, man. But you know Kev's going to get on my ass about this, right? Kev can kiss my Batman with Michael Keaton hating butt. <laughs> That's low. Even for you, Mike. <laughs> all right. And if right. he needs assistance, he can get Jack Bauer to help him. Oh. <laughs> oh. Kevin's calling you out. Come on to the show. <laughs> oh, the over the limit gong. We haven't heard that in a while. All right. So let's do something else. Um, it's funny because we have Jazz here. And one of the original conversations we had with Jazz upon meeting him was about a certain movie that um, people. It's a very polarizing movie. 
<laughs> the movie's Man of Steel. And Jazz feels very strongly about it from what I understand, right? Yeah, so just really funny story behind it. And it goes back to just like uh, how I got introduced to some people. So when I'm putting up posters in my room, uh, there is a Man of Steel poster there. It's next to the Wolverine poster and across from the Joker poster. Uh, my roommate, Pitango, sees it and he makes this noise. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, Pitango Tango introduces me to MFG. He sees it and he makes the same noise. Just like, <laughs> it's not a noise, it's a guttural reaction. <laughs> and then later, uh, I get introduced to the captain. And he says, oh, you're the guy that likes Man of Steel. <laughs> so I'm. So that's the impression I make. I'm that guy who you likes are Man of Steel. Guy. And what's funny is throughout, you know, when, when, we're, when I'm at work and, and Mike and I are talking, when Mike first was talking about jazz, like, yeah, yo, um, Pete Tangle's roommate, jazz, he's really cool, but he likes Man of Steel. <laughs> I'm like, really? Like, like, like he's like a gnome or something. <laughs> it would have been easier to believe. I ran into a gnome. Uh-huh. And Jazz likes Man of Steel. What? <laughs> and if you notice in the past couple of podcasts, we've shouted Jazz out about the whole Man of Steel thing. We, we threw down the gauntlet and said, Jazz, you need to come on the show and defend the movie. And Jazz's claim to fame was, you know what? You're not going to get me to change my mind about the movie the same way I wouldn't change my, you know, your mind about how you feel. But I feel strongly about certain points. So I say, let's give it a fight night feel. So let's go right to the ring. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to MFG's house, which is somewhere in Manhattan. <laughs> All right, so Wait, let's... I, I thought we were in the Hall of Justice. Aw. <laughs> oh, please. Okay. So I was it, promised the Bat Cave. Oh, goodness. In this... I'll cor- show you the Bat Cave later. Whoa. <laughs> Oh my god. It, it could even ring the bell. It got so fucked up. Holy darkness, Batman. That's why I call it the Dark Knight. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god. Can we get on with this fight already? <laughs> then you wonder why Quick News takes 30 minutes. <laughs> All right. So, in this corner for the Superman Man of Steel heavyweight battle, wearing the Wolverine t shirt, standing at six feet ish tall. But One. The- Six foot one. Six foot one. <laughs> six foot six feet one inches tall. The defender of the Man of Steel, Jazz. <laughs> Where's the bell? There we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Obviously, you don't watch boxing. No. Nope. <laughs> and in this corner, wearing the super tight Superman T-shirt. Everybody else on the program. <laughs> I was about to say, pretty much everybody else <laughs> standing in that corner. <laughs> Standing at six feet two inches tall, the hater of anything Nolan, MFG Mike the Finance Guy. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> <laughs> and saddest part, that's actually my fan club. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you know what we're gonna do? We let you guys talk about Man of Steel for a little bit. Ralph and I are gonna interject here and there, but watch the sparks fly. Ready, set, go. I just want to say. I originally had a PowerPoint presentation that I remember I was going on a podcast and you guys don't have video feed yet. So <laughs> No, no, no. It'll no. be just as effective. <laughs> <laughs> so, Man of Steel. All right, let's just from the opening itself. Minimalist caveman setting. Why? You're referring to Krypton. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. I think visually it looked great. I mean, this is the really the first time we've ever seen the world of Krypton expanded on such a thing like that. And you see uh, Jor-El, and you see, you know, the birth of the one who will become Kal-El and the savior of your race. And Jor-El knows that the the Krypton's going to go to shit, and he's protesting it in front of the council. And then you meet Zod, and that sets up the conflict that will take place later in the movie. And but the world looks like it's inhabited by Jim Hansen's creations. 
It was the worst. It, it made no sense for Krypton, which is always supposedly this place of beauty and and technology, which is what was reflected, of course, in the original Superman movie in I 77. Thought it, I thought it had that. It looked great. I mean, the technology, like the armor that they were wearing, uh, the stuff that they were... Uh, things it looked that like they were the flying. Grand Canyon. What? <laughs> it looked like the Grand Canyon with really big dragonflies. It just, it just didn't, it just didn't do it for me. But at the same time, I realized, and I have said it before, he really did. They, they went. What did the Krypton look like in the seventy-seven movie? Let's do the exact opposite because that's exactly what they did. I mean, it was, it wasn't even like there was a clever reasoning for this. It was literally the reverse of everything that we knew about Krypton by that point. You know, that was just, it was just one of those. Things. It wasn't like the big fault of the movie. It was just, it right. took me out of the movie because it just looked so primitive. You know. Especially their like minimalistic cavemen dwelling, because it was like their entire room was a bed with loincloths, which I didn't quite get that look there. Because remember, it opens up and you just see them in this really big vacant space, which is the only room we've ever seen in that place, and it's yeah. just got a big bed and she's giving birth, and it's got all these like skins on it. Well, we didn't see Extreme Makeover Krypton Edition. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just it was just really it was just very I guess it was just very boring you know so i just found it very boring but again that wasn't my biggest problem my biggest problem was the mi6 jarell uh, <laughs> that was fresh back from his 007 mission i i did not understand that character at all what was your problem with jarell you, yeah, mean, you, you know mean, i know you this mean, answer right well you mean the scientists because remember they're all born to do a certain role so he was a scientist that evidently had enough um skills with weaponry and fighting to defeat the military leader of their world and I, I'm just like, really? Well, he didn't I don't know. He, no, he, he beat did. the shit out of him and had him arrested. That's a defeat. He he, he died. Yeah. That's not a win. Well, I didn't say it was a win on both sides. He still defeated the guy. I mean, the only reason he got he, knifed is because he wasn't paying attention. Well, Jor-El's only job was he knew he knew Krypton was doomed. He says that. So his job is to get his son out so he can be uh, like the new vision and you right. know find hope somewhere else. He didn't defeat Zod. Uh, you don't see Zod apprehended until the uh, like the reinforcements from Kryptonian armies and they come and they apprehend him. Right, but they defeat they take him away. That's just what it's like. Before he watched his son take off, which is what distracted him, and that's when Zod knifes him. Was Zod on his feet, or was he humbled, beaten by Jarrell? Jarrell beat him in a fight, flat out. He was on his knees, and that is when he shanks him from below when he throws out this thing. I mean, the reason I know this, I just watched it this morning. So know? Zod won the fight, is what you're saying. The military leader won the fight. All right. No, it was a fight. He lost. He took him by surprise. Well, technically, the fight time. wasn't over. Yeah. <laughs> so Zod won the when, fight. When is it over? Because, I mean, I, I, I understand your point that um, Jarrell's mission was to send his son out. So mission-wise, Jarrell well, did what he had to do. about mission-wise. I, it was a fight. Yeah, and, and Zod won because Zod's alive. Jarrell's dead. Yeah. That's not... Jarrell no, okay. wasn't okay. trying to beat Zod. He's trying to uh, Again, I think we're, we're completely so. off the point. Okay. You're talking a scientist fighting a military leader. Did he defeat him? Yes. I'm not talking about the end result of someone living at the end. There was a fight. The actual fight was over. Hey. Zod lost the fight. Zod was on the ground, defeated in a fight. Sure. Did he gank him later? I'm not saying he didn't. The fight was over. He beat a military leader in a fight. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I disagree. Back, I mean, I disagree. again, my daddy always said it ain't over till it's over. That's, right. that's what I agree about believing. It's not and, like it's not like a, uh, because a fight, you know, a fight could be like we're joking around with using the whole boxing metaphors and right. stuff, you know, in, in, in civilized and civilized forms of battle, there's ways of break or determining who's the winner and loser in a fight like that. 
it's either you get locked up or you die. I'm sorry. Even though he won the first phase when he had you know Zod down to his knees, Zod wasn't done. Zod wasn't apprehended. Zod shanked him. It, right. It's over when somebody dies right. and Zod won. But that's not... You just said he won the first phase. That's what my whole point. That phase is the fight. The rest no, of it's no, just no, a no, knife. It's not, no, 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 no. Well, it is. I mean, it's just, it's just a knife thing. I mean, again, call it whatever you want to. He still beat the military leader hey, who had to resort that, to dirty tactics in order to win. That's right. my, my well, whole well, thing. Is it, well, is it dirty tactic if it's military? It's not. It's, it's just fighting for survival. But he still When, when Zod was on the ground, did you hear Bell? So in other words, wait, okay, when Zod okay, was okay. on the ground, did you hear uh, about? No, no, okay. Then, All right, then, so, then the so fight then wasn't over. So then, what you're saying then is literally. If we put Batman in a room with me and I kicked his ass all over, he is now humbled on the ground. And sure, he batarangs me at the end. You're just going to be like, yeah, that wasn't really impressive because Mike should have been able to take down Batman. It's not about it's impressive. It's who won. But again, so, you're end, saying that, so you're saying I should be able to take down Batman in a fight. I'm not saying you should. No, I see what you're saying. You're saying that, you know, he shouldn't have even had that much of a chance. Exactly. You, you, no, my I, entire point. Well, exactly. Entire <laughs> point. <laughs> that, that is the entirety of the entire <laughs> argument. I don't know where you guys were going with this. Hey, he you should said, never you, have been able to fight a military leader. Okay. He's a scientist. I, my, my, my issue was when you said he won. I'm like, no, no, he, he didn't win. But, you know, I, I agree with the whole, if your whole ex, um, source of existence is to be, you know, a scientist versus a, a military person, he, you're right. He shouldn't be able to stand a chance. Well, okay. Uh, he didn't win. You're just trying to say he got the upper hand. If that makes it better for everybody yes. in this room, yes. <laughs> if that makes it clearer for everyone to understand, that sounds no, great. No, because if you talk, because if you're talking in senses of battle, Zod won in regards of a fight. If you're talking about objectives, like Jarrell's objective was send his son out. My job is send my son out. You know, if Zod doesn't get his hands on him, I won. That, I'm just that, talking about the fact that he kicked his ass. You call call the finale whatever you wish to. He keeps he's a scientist. The way you can see it is, all right, he's a scientist. He understands how the human body works, and he knows where to cause the most amount of pain. Oh, my there God. Go. Oh my. Well, that, that, would, that would be far worse. And the fact that he also had his warrior armor, which I still don't understand why he had fighting armor. Why not? To begin with, um, everybody's wearing fighting. Okay, yeah. but again, it was just like I said. <laughs> these are all points. Let me, let these me, are all points that have problems with the movie. Let me bring it back. And Jazz, that's only ten minutes, right? <laughs> Jazz, how did you feel about um, Jarrell? Um, are you, are you, are you yes. Are you referring specifically to the point you brought up? Um, either well, way, just Jarrell. Jarrell, 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 Jarrell as a whole. I thought Jarrell was a great character. I mean, he provided that excellent dynamic um, between Kal-El and his two fathers and what they both expected of him because we all as human beings, we all have um, troubles with the ex- with the expectations we all have of what our fathers expect from us as um, our sons. Superman has two fathers and they both expect him to, to uh, be great things, but also in... Not Jonathan Kent. <laughs> he does, but, all, but in, they, they both have different um, ideas uh, for Kal-El. I think Jarrell played on a, ma- a great character. I think Russell Crowe did a great job. I love the way Jarrell was represented in this movie. Okay, all right, Mike, you you kind of counted by saying not 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 Jonathan Kent. Well, Jonathan Kent's whole what his philosophy fit in no matter who dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, listen, you're bulletproof and indestructible. You know, uh, just make it seem like you survive somehow. Oh well, yeah, I mean, it was just that whole like you know, what should I just let all those kids on that bus die? Uh, maybe. Really? Really, Jonathan Kent? This is well, the you way you're s- leading the kid? Well, I, you make a good point, but I believe that the, um, in that movie, the character of Jonathan Kent was meant at, um, to some extent to be proven wrong. 
And, you know, he says, maybe, to let the Kims die. And he proves his point by sacrificing himself later in the tornado scene. We won't even get there yet. That, that's the most ridiculous scene. <laughs> it is not. Like, that literally is, that on is one celluloid. The, that, is, that is one of the most selfless acts I've ever seen in a movie. He could have got him before anybody realized that he did it. Jonathan Kent could have walked away. <laughs> he hurt his ankles. He could have hopped away. 70-year-old Costner. He could have hopped away. I mean, it was just... But we won't even get to that point yet. But that's the thing. But, I mean, he's talking about fit in, no matter who dies kind of philosophy, followed by his mixed signal of hide, but then one day stand in front of all human race to lead them. And I'm like, well, well I, what the hell point are you trying to make here, dude? And it was the problem, again, I had with the storytelling is that the thing is, it shouldn't be two different philosophies. Jonathan Kent raised Clark Kent. He is what he between him and his mother. I mean, you don't want to discount the, the feminine force there. Are what uh, um, are what Clark learned to be a hero, to be a man from, not from Jarrell. I mean, because basically Jarrell basically just shows up and is like, "Yeah, you should really leave him." All right, really, that's all it took was you know, like for him to say one sentence, and now you're on board. I mean, it's Jonathan Kent that is. I mean, he, that's his father. I mean, Jarrell may be his, his birthing daddy, you know, but Jonathan Kent is his father. That's who he learned to be a man from. And the Jonathan Kent that we got was very wishy-washy on what the hell that man was supposed to be doing. Like, I was well, very confused with that. Because he makes the point, because he, he, you can clearly see that Jonathan Kent loves his son mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. And he's afraid from he's he And he says, you know, you should be careful about revealing your secret because he's afraid that the world will hate and reject him. But he says, once you find out who you are and who your real parents are, what you're here for, you're going to have to make a choice. And that is to stand proud in front of the human race or not. And then when he says, can I just start being your son? He says, you are my son. Uh, Jonathan Kent is just worried about what will happen because of course, like even though we, as the viewers, we know that he is indestructible, nothing can happen. Jonathan Kent, once he sees that he is the father of a child with godlike powers, he has no idea what else could happen or what else could be out there. So he's, saying, keep your secret until it is the proper time for you to decide when to reveal it because you don't know if you'll be accepted or not. And that plays to things in pop culture like today. There's still things going around, whether people will feel accepted because of their sexual preference or for, for the religion or whatever, any reason like that fitting in. I think it's playing the trait that Jonathan Kent was talking about is talking about um, those things having to do with today. Yeah. See, I found it to be way too wishy-washy character-wise and story-wise because... I found, of all stories, oddly enough, Smallville, Jonathan Kent did a far better job. I mean, he raised Clark to always do the right thing, period. It is a matter of sacrifice. It wasn't, I mean, yeah, sure, hide this if you can, but you always save the people. It wasn't like, at no point was Jonathan like, yeah, maybe you should just let them die. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, so that's what very much surprised me. It was, it was just, like I said, it just, they were trying to give us a grittier, more real feeling, but at the same time, it was this weird flowery philosophy that was trying to go around in the movie and it was I just felt you couldn't have it both ways you know like like you know when when the mother shows up and she's just like you know listen to my voice it's like you know an island in the ocean and I'm like all right bitch I don't know what poetry you were reading right before you got there let's just get them out of the damn closet you know isn't that Maya Angelou <laughs> Maya Angelou <laughs> leave Diane Lane alone I love Diane oh Lane. I love Diane Lane you know poor Martha Diane. Kent that evidently has to work a farm all by herself because her son decided to go wander the earth as super hobo wow you, you just can't win <laughs> well he did because I, mean, I think about it Jonathan was just like yeah you're going to be a farmer of course we're all farmers you know, it's been generations da, da, da. so that was just, I mean granted we figured she must have eventually gotten help but it's like so you just left your mom with a big <laughs> farm to take care of nice kid you are and, and also when they go back and I'm looking at all like 
the paint is all chipped over the house. I'm like, you haven't even been back to paint, you fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> Which, of course, is referenced when he lets Metropolis get destroyed and doesn't help fix it. <laughs> um, it's funny because you guys hit on um, you guys hit on Jarrell and Jonathan Kent. How do you feel? How did you guys feel about Lois Lane? Go. You um. So. As you know, yeah, that's pretty much that, exactly no, what you say about I, Lois Lane. I want, I want to get some preface out there. Go, yes, sure, go I ahead. feel strongly about Man of Steel. I am not going to say it's the perfect film. There okay. are some things no, that didn't work not. for me. Lois Lane is one of them. Of course, we oh, need. Wow. To, of course, we need to have. I do like Amy Adams as an actress. I do too. Oh, she's a good actress. I definitely. know that Lois Lane is, of course, a vital part of the story. She is the one mm. that makes uh, Kal-El feel more human than perhaps anybody. Okay. Um, her chemistry with Henry Cavill wasn't that great. And that is so nice <laughs> that you put it in such nice terms. <laughs> it's almost like, like Amy adding Amy Adams' aunt. <laughs> it wasn't that great. No, because it really wasn't. Um, Agreed. For oh, me, we agree. For, no, for, for me, it didn't bother me that much. But, you know, I like her character. I, I do like the way she was portrayed in it. There were some things that, of course, uh, that didn't work. And I will, I, of course, will admit that. Um, I didn't like. I did not like her character. I mean, the Lois Lane. First of all, I, I find it. It's become trite. It's just like having Lex Luthor battle Superman. You know, it's it's just gotten to be something you put in there because you put it in there. Like, there's no real reason. You know, I mean, if you want to introduce Lois Lane, then she should have been introduced and been there and been that reporter that he met, not this immediate love interest. Because it's not like she's the first girl he's met. I mean. He's been scouring the earth for years, evidently, you know, probably soon after his father died. So you figured that was somewhere around when he was 18-ish and he's 33 in the movie. He states that quite clearly. So you figure he's at least been just wandering around for years. I can't believe he hasn't met one nice woman in all that time. So her, it was just kind of like, eh, you know, it's just one of those things that it just it felt forced. And I didn't like that. And I, I didn't like the way they portrayed her. Um, she didn't. They tried to make her um, self-sufficient, but she didn't feel self-sufficient. It felt like she was playing at being self-sufficient, and I didn't like that. I agree. I you agree know. that their relationship what did feel kind of forced, and I think a lot of um, love interest in superhero movies do feel kind of forced. There are some exceptions. Yeah. Um, Tony and Pepper, for one. Right, because think, that's, that's a playful. It's been going around. Exactly. Right, yeah. I, yeah, the, the chemistry um, for this was lacking. I do hope that it will improve in uh, when the DC uh, universe expands. Because yeah, she's going, she's not going anywhere. All right, so, so you guys agree. You guys agree on um, Lois Lane. Let's go right to the meat and potatoes of it. Superman as a character in this movie. How did you guys feel about it? I, I mean, I. <laughs> I'm almost tempted to let Mike go first, but <laughs> holy smokes. I have a feeling yeah. if he goes first, he won't stop. He won't stop anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for putting it nicely. Wow, Jazz got a, a good way of putting things nicely. So, Jazz, what, what is it about Superman in this movie that you feel is spot on? Like that, 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 that you're like, yeah, this is Superman because what? What is it so great about this character in this movie? Well, for one, I. I really, really like Henry Cavill. I okay. Mean, if you look, even if he's not in the Superman suit. Immortals. Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> I was just even tossing though, it even out though, there. <laughs> even though that movie was the best, I liked him. He, he was one of the better parts. He, he, okay. he carried that for what that movie was. He carried it well enough. He did the best he could. But if you look at Henry Cavill, you see Superman. Like, you, like if you see him posing, especially even if he's not in the suit, that's Superman. He carries himself like Superman. I know... I've had this conversation with a lot of people that the character of Superman in movies is really, really hard um, to do. 
because you can't uh, delve into that character like you can in comic books sometimes because people just want to see Superman, you know, the Man of Steel, the godlike being flying around Metropolis and being invincible. I thought this character is Superman. It gave a, it was great. I think I'm going to go out and say it. You're all going to kill me now. I think Henry Cavill is the best Superman that we've had. Wow. And that's our show. And I'm looking at right now. And I'm looking at three guys that want to kill me right now. I don't want to kill you. I just want to know if your medication is sufficient. Where's my knife? It's Where's not. my um, knife? That's a very strong statement. I do. But I just, I should, let me also preface because I know millions of people are going crazy right now. That's not dissing anybody else who has ever done Superman. You just think that Henry Cavill is the better one? I just think Henry Cavill is the better yeah. one. That is nothing against anybody who has ever done Superman. So he, Christopher Reeve is turning in his grave right now. Brendan Roth is actually... Only his top half, though. The lower half do you, doesn't work. Do you see the moment in Man of Steel where Henry Cavill is, for like for a second, when he's transformed into Christopher Reeve? Yeah. 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 That was a cool cameo. <laughs> All right, so wow, okay, Mike, he, he threw the gauntlet down. He said it right there. Henry Cavill is the best, quote, the best Superman character, or the best guy to play Superman ever. What do you say? Well, I think that just pretty much answers my points right there. <laughs> He's obviously insane. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's um, wrong with that? <laughs> After all, it's done wonders for me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good Joker impersonation. Um, well, what, is, what do you even Actually, that reminds me. I think Heath Ledger would have done a great job as Superman at his current dead state. Um, wow. <laughs> no, um, no, I don't think he's like the worst Superman by any means. We all know Brandon Roth. You hold that so close. <laughs> You'll never lose that. He's like, nobody will beat me. <laughs> well, Dean Cain comes close, but you know. Even he was not the worst Superman I've ever seen. Wow. I mean, Brandon Roth really did take the cake. I mean, you know, because um, he's just so freaking wooden. Um, but it's. It's just the Superman, again, it's it's not so much his acting. I mean, his acting was fine enough. I mean, it was the writing of the Superman, which, of course, he had to reflect in his acting that I did not like. Um, it's just, he just seemed to, well, I'm kind of wishy-washy, which, of course, he would have gotten from Jonathan Kent, so bravo writer, um, on that one. It's it's just a Superman that didn't have a lot of hope for me. And I know we've had this conversation before, but that's that's my big thing. It's... You know, we're not talking about Henry um, Cavill's portrayal again. I'm talking about the writing of the character that's making Superman. It, he wasn't a character full of hope. He was just this guy that just kind of seemed to be at places. You know, like I said, I mean, the fact that he didn't seem really invested in his mom's life was weird. Um, I mean, just as a normal person, I mean, because again, we're not talking about it's between the years of 18 and 21 where you're just like, Hey, I'm just going out to, um, to find the world. You know, mom's still probably in good health. Da, 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 da. It's like, you got the sense, even she hadn't seen him in a very long time. I mean, I'm not saying that she hadn't seen him in 15 years, but it wasn't like she hadn't seen him probably at least in a year or more. Right. Um, and it's the same problem I had like, uh, in Superman returns, for instance, when he leaves for five years and like the mom there, I think was like literally in her eighties. And I'm like, you just couldn't wait for that woman to die before you went venturing off to find something. It was that same kind of thing that that doesn't feel like what Superman would do. You know, Superman is going to make sure his family is always okay. Um, he does. It's well, He doesn't even take the damn car out of the house. I will preface, though, is you see he, he becomes super. He's Superman for like 24 hours in the timeline of the film. He's just... Uh, Clark Kent. Then he learns he's Kal El, and then right, when but, when danger calls, right? But, but see, again, but see, that's the thing too. He's not. Well, I hope he's not um, multiple personality disordered. He is 
calling Superman or calling Clark Kent, that should be the same person. I mean, you know, Clark Kent is Superman. Superman is Clark Kent. So if you're telling me that he needs to put on red and white, uh, red and blue tights in order to think about his mom, then that scares me about Clark Kent. I mean, Clark Kent is the one with superpowers that even if he didn't know he could fly, he knew he could run really fast or he could just catch a cab. Um, you know, like to get home. I mean, it's not like it needed a superpower to go visit his mom. It's that kind of stuff that, and that kind of carried through. I'm not just focusing on the mom. It just never felt like the character really cared. It just kind of felt, again, kind of like with Lois Lane kind of playing at being assertive. It kind of felt like he was playing at caring to me, you know. Um, I didn't feel like, like, like Christopher Reeve had a genuine sense of, yeah, I'm here to save everybody, period. And when we see him in the movie too, he had just become Superman. It just—it's a different feel. And again, it's not the actor's fault; it's do the you, direction. Do you, you think know? before I move on to to, to the last point, um, do you think that Superman, Henry Cavill, Superman, was somebody who was searching for who he was? Absolutely. Do you I think, think? Do you think that's what what what, what um, Nolan tried to go for? Because you know, there's. I think with. Do you mean? Do you mean uh, David Goyer and uh, Snyder? I'm sorry, David Goyer and Snyder. Um, but I keep, I keep attaching Go- um, Nolan to it. Yeah. Um, well, he was behind the scenes, right? Um, but with with you know Goyer and and, um, and Snyder. Jo- Snyder, I was gonna say Johns. Um, do you feel like that they that that's part of why we got the Superman because he was searching for who he was? Yeah, because uh, you know he's dealing with the whole like he's completely alone. Even though he is, he has a family, he has a mother and father. He's completely alienated and alone and doesn't know who he like he grew up and uh, like aside from the fact that going through all those humans experiences we do he doesn't know anything about himself and so he goes on that that um jonathan kent tells him that you know you need to find yourself like you have you have somewhere else you have a father who gave you a different name and they sent you here for a reason which i never like that they keep saying that that they sent him here for a reason it's like you don't know that at all like, you know, I mean, it's again, it's a, it's a movie plot point that I just didn't like because they're talking to us, not to each other. Perhaps an interesting assumption, but. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, if a, if a godlike child appeared on Earth, you, you, you would start to question some things. Most likely. I, you know, it's just it's yeah, a but, weird way of yeah, but phrasing. It, but, but, but Mike wouldn't be around any kids because he don't like kids. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Mike will see the spaceship crash. He'll go investigate when he sees the baby. He'll be like, I wasn't here. <laughs> I'm gone. Oh, it's a baby. Anyone have a pillow? <laughs> oh, this clean. Oh, this green glowing rock must be his. All right. <laughs> um, one, one more, one more thing. This debate can go on and on, but this is good so far. How do you feel about the treatment of um how Zod was dispatched and how got and how Gotham and how Metropolis was taken care of in this movie? You mean Metropolis rubble? <laughs> <laughs> only because i mean you know a lot of people one of the things that people have problems with is why would this you know if superman's about truth just the american way is supposed to be protecting people why would you why, why would you have him halfway destroy the city that he's supposed to protect and still say it's a good superman movie that's a big point that a lot of people bring up so i wanted to see what you would have to say about that did you see what he did to smallville <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh it's smallville too <laughs> that poor ihop <laughs> that was i totally see the point you're saying this is the one i hear the most um if you look at you see that's zod and the other kryptonians are responsible for the majority of the destruction yes there is the initial small destruction but they touched his mother tell me that there's not one person in your life where if somebody laid a finger on that you would beat the living hell out of oh no 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 i'm not talking about defending so i'm talking about again the wholesale destruction of a town i don't care how mighty your powers are not the entire town well no i'm exaggerating there um 
it's the only functional part of the town, <laughs> the, the strip mall of the town. But uh, but no, I mean, I'm exaggerating, of course, with that. But my point is, this, no matter who you are, you always think, let me just move this fight somewhere else. And that's what just never seemed to occur. True, but before that, you see um, he dispatches the world engine. So that's mm-hmm. him defeating the plan. So now uh, Zod, and Zod's here. He wants revenge on Jor-El's son. And so, he, since he can no longer terraform Krypton to save his race, and that's what I think, I think Zod was a very good layered character in the movie, which may be a point we'll address later, maybe not. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, Zod knows that, okay, I will now kill everyone and everything you hold dear, and the only way I can do that is I'm going I'm to stay here. Zod brought the fight to Metropolis. Zod and the other and the other um, Kryptonian jailbreaks. Yeah. Well, we're not say. saying that Superman started the destruction. Uh, the, 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 a lot of the biggest complaint is that he stayed with the destruction. There, in other words, he could have just moved the fight somewhere else. I mean, the, the, the world engine was still destroying. That's fine. That had nothing to do with the destruction that he was adding to it. That's, I think, what more the complaint is. It's not the, that the world engine was there in Metropolis. That's just a machine doing its job. It was, or just like I mean, the quick. Uh, quip that I made when I was just changing my shirt earlier is when, I, I don't know if it was Zod himself, or when someone throws this huge oil tanker towards Superman and he just jumps out of the way and lets it destroy this building and I'm like, well, that wouldn't have hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know why you got, you could have actually stopped it from destroying the building. The building you know? had already collapsed though. No, it was still behind him. That's why I hit the foundation of the building and then the building started to collapse more and I'm like, come on, dude. But, but let me pose a question to you, Mike, because I challenged Jazz I want to challenge you a little bit. Um, like I always like to do that. Um, d- it's interesting because DC lovers always talk about well, you want to make a perfect Superman movie. Now the thing is, Superman is truth, justice, the America, or truth and justice, but not the American way. Now, now well, he gave up his citizenship, you know. Right, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's why I had to stop myself. Superman, you're being deported. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, in the comic, they did have him give up his citizenship a while ago. I, I don't know if he got it back or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I heard, I heard that that he hasn't got it back, so it's just truth right. and justice. But the bottom line is that people talk about they want a perfect Superman film and they want it full of action. But when they give it full of action, um, people have a problem with that. People have a lot of problems with. Do you feel like what would be the what would have made this picture better in regards of how Superman would have took care of Metropolis? Now he said, move the fight away from, uh, um, move the fight away from Metropolis. But don't you think that the Kryptonians would have used the, the humans as bait? To make him stay there? Well, the humans are everywhere, and that's. The, but that would have been the point. We would have seen Superman trying to move the fight. In fact, in Superman two, remember when Superman at first course, tries was, to he tries that, to yeah. move the fight, in and the, the villain and, keeps dragging him back, and then eventually he does move the fight. But that's all I wanted. I mean, I think that's all anybody wanted. It was that, like I said, it's Superman felt this. Superman feels like he's playing at caring. You know, it's like you know, you're you're. You, it's kind of like you're like. Oh, I'm here to defend the human race, <laughs> you know, which, which is at the only race he knows by that point. I mean, yeah, I get that. You know, you just the other day found out, okay, exactly where you're from. You just met a hologram construct of your father. I get all that wonderfulness. But it's again when people are, you know, when they talk about Superman and how you know he feels alone. And I'm not saying he can't feel alone, but it's just like, it's like, dude, you know these people these are the people that raised you this is the world that raised you i get that you can do other stuff but this is what you know you know i mean this is just like it annoyed me for instance like when uh when he allowed himself to be captured and he's talking to lois uh in the holding cell with the military and he goes from you born and raised have only ever lived on this planet to remember like she's saying like you know uh what's the s on the shirt for and he's and he doesn't just go I mean, again, I'm not saying this should be the script. He's not like, 
it means hope. Fucking weird, isn't it? It's an S. Like, no, he's, he looks at her kind of like with this like kind of like, like knowing kind of. What, but it, no, he looks at her, actually. He looks at her kind of like um, with this look that's kind of like I get the question, and he's just like, well, actually, it, it means hope on my with, for my people, and it's just like. Dude, you have to understand how weird that looks. It's a big S on your chest. You were born and raised here. The only letter you know that to be is an S. You no, know? I'm willing it to was... bet like when Russell Crowe says like, this symbol stands for hope, then he, that I'm pretty sure Kala was like, dude, that's an S. If that scene right. continued, I'm right. pretty sure that's you what know, would have that would have been. And that would have actually been kind of funny. But that, what I'm saying though is that like, he, 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 he adopted this kind of like, I'm suddenly an alien that's been here for maybe five years on your world kind of attitude when he was captured by the military and that was just such a weird blink shift in writing and i'm like right. what the hell like you you've lived here all your life dude i mean <laughs> this isn't a mystery to any of us you know in fact you'd be sitting there trying to read this crap all right all right so, so that, that 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 debacle's over two things i want to mention number one jazz came out of this with no scars and no bleeding i, I thought it would actually be a lot bloodier than that yeah. So props to That's you, Jack. You, questions. You, didn't, you, you didn't let us just go off. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't let you go off. But I, I wanted th- to see the blood. <laughs> oh, Jazz can come back again. We can have blood. Uh, but also we'll, number we'll two. Have during break. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was funny was that um, as I was, um, we got into the whole debate about what determines the end of a fight. It felt like it went from a boxing match to a wrestling match, and I came in with the steel chair from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes Mike. Oh, and there goes the cap with the steel chair. Oh, my God. Oh my Here comes Ralph with the ladder. <laughs> That's what it felt like. My leg. It crushed my leg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay. That was a weird transition, but I'll take it. What's funny is um, right, um, during break, you got to see some of my math skills. Yes, yes. It's New York math skills. Still hard at work. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of not like, like our boy Patrick. Hey, we love you, Patrick. <laughs> Me and Patrick, account- I got your back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how many? One, two, two. three. <laughs> <laughs> Mike plays a weird, a weird joke on the people um, that, that I work with. A lot of people I work with are drama majors. About, probably, I want to say about 75% of the people that I work with are drama majors. Major drama. <laughs> Pretty much. It's major drama watching them count cash. <laughs> because we have a cash draw and they have to count it in um, at the beginning of the shift and at the end. So what Mike will do with some people, he'll um, stand next to them and start messing up their count. Oh, remember messing up your counting? 25, 36, 12, 18, pi. I'm like, <laughs> and, the, and depending on the person, they'll either get mad, frustrated, or they'll just... But mad, comma, frustrated, not mad, frustrated for you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> mad, comma, frustrated, <laughs> or they'll laugh. But Mike always like mess with them. So for me to mess up math during the break, I was waiting for Mike to jump on that. Shocking. <laughs> Positively shocking. All right, let's talk about something that's that's pretty shocking, speaking of which. Talk about the death of Wolverine. I don't think anybody ever saw. I think if 10 years ago you talked about the death of Wolverine, and Wolverine died before. Wolverine did die before. Who didn't die before? Oh no, wait, no, I'm sorry. Wolverine didn't die. Di- Wolverine has, well, all he, the X Men died. He didn't. He didn't, have, he didn't have adamantium. That's what it was. Right, but all the X Men did die back in the late eighties. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Siege Perilous. Right. So, um, you but, don't want to read that. I'm, I want to read it again just to kind yeah, of see about because the art's pretty good. It's Mark Silvestri. Yeah. All right. So, with a synopsis of Death of Wolverine is MFG Mike the Finance Guy. All right. He was a sickly child, a murderer, a runaway a minor, a murderer, 
A wild man among wolves, a circus attraction, a murderer, a, a white man among Native Americans, a lover, a soldier, a gaijin, a husband, a soldier, a CIA operative, an experiment, a wild man, a weapon, an agent, an X-Man, Patch, an Avenger, and a teacher. But before he was any of these things, in 1974, Wolverine was the creation of Roy Thomas, Len Wein, and John Romita Sr. Now, Wolverine's first appearance was a cameo in The Incredible Hulk, number 180, followed by a full appearance in number 181. Wolverine joined the X-Men in Giant Size X-Men number one, Deadly Genesis, in May of 1975. He was a gruff loner that actively resisted taking orders, but was a solid member of the team. As his popularity grew, Wolverine showed up in more and more comics outside the X-Men universe, and now he's a flagship character of Marvel Comics alongside Spider-Man and Captain America. He has been cloned but never copied, imitated but never replaced. Now he is dead. What does this mean for the Marvel Universe and Marvel Entertainment? Let's find out. Yeah, all right. So, I mean, um, they actually had this four-part series of... Um, death of Wolverine. How did you guys feel this this um, death was treated? Because Marvel has done epic deaths before. They've done Captain America. They've done Spider Man: The Ultimate Universe. They've done Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four. They've done multiple times where they've had. They've done Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. They've done Captain Marvel. So they've done the death thing before of iconic characters. And right. based on your synopsis and how I feel, also Wolverine's an iconic character. How do you feel this was treated? That this series was treated. I thought it was very by the way. I mean, it was really weird. I mean, I I don't like overt spectacle, but at the same time, I found that the story was very bland. Mm -hmm. So that it was just kind of like, sure. I mean, it won't surprise me if they keep um, Wolverine as we this Wolverine in from this particular Marvel universe from this particular time period. It won't surprise me if they keep him dead in the comic books for two or three years. Wouldn't surprise me, right? but because the death felt so bland, it just felt like just that. Oh, he'll probably be back in two or three years. Not, I mean, again, you don't think you're ever going to get rid of a major character anyhow, but it didn't feel like, holy shit, you know, wow, what a death. It was just kind of like, eh, you're dead. Okay. Ralph, how do you feel about the death of Wolverine, how it was treated? I thought it was a pretty elegant death, the way he died. Okay. It was because, you know, he was, his whole thing is he wasn't trying to die. You know, he was trying to figure out What's going on? Who has who put out this hit on me? Why are these guys coming after me? And in the course of that, he actually comes to a realization where it's like he's glad that he actually doesn't have a healing factor anymore because he can grow old and have a normal life like everyone else. And mm-hmm. he was planning on having a normal life, but circumstances as they turn out don't allow him to do that. And the way that he dies is just so elegant, you know, it's like covered in adamantium, you know, there. So he's sort of preserved in a way also. You know, I suppose. Right. I mean, really, it should have melted off all of his flesh. You would think. Yeah. Um, one would have thought. Yeah. yeah. But you know, one thing I noticed though is like when uh, when it first um, starts falling on him, right? You can sort of see like there's like a hint about like how his like healing factor might might have like come back out of nowhere. You know. Because, I mean, he was walking away with the whole thing on him. Well, that's kind of my disbelief part of it. It's yeah. like, I mean, he would have just died. you know. Because I think they have said in the past comics that it's like the adamantium's melting point is like 4,000 degrees. I mean, that's just, you're dead. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. But again, you know, it's a comic book. So, you know, take it as you will. Right. And, and just that, that last line that he has with, um, with uh, Cornelius. Yeah. Where Cornelius is like, what have you done? I've, I've saved lives. I've taken lives. I've, I've made a difference in this world. What have you done? And his last word is just enough. Right. Know? Well, I mean, well, they did have a nice montage of 
his life. Yeah, they, you know, they, they showed you know, that. that was a good thing. Yeah. Jazz, how, how did you feel about how this death was treated? I know, like, you know, you've talked about, you know, you started reading comics a little bit later on in life. Um, how do you feel this death was treated? Yeah, and you're also not a big comic book reader currently, right. so it was just interesting. So how did you feel about the whole treatment, especially in the medium? Well, I knew that um, if, if you're going to kill off such a big character like Wolverine, that it's going to be big no matter how you do it. Um, I half expected the whole Blaze of Glory battle. But I was actually um, I was very surprised and actually very pleasantly surprised where it was um, very simple and the way Ralph put it, very elegant, the way he goes out. Um, it's a very, uh, you get to see more of the human quality of Wolverine, except for just like the raging uh, monster that people sort of like see him. Like, I'm wearing a Wolverine shirt. Wolver- <laughs> Wolverine's awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that the, um, his so-called death, because nobody dies in comic books, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, they I think they did it really, really, they did it. I really liked it. Yeah, I know because right. they they could have done the, like the epic battle. They could have done it so many ways. Right. But it's no. He just walks away from the fight but and see, just but sort see, of that goes was my peacefully. Problem. But that's the part of my head that was not so much. I mean the the actual death. I didn't need to be an, an an epic battle. But there was no epic battle in the entire four part series. That actually surprised me. And that's what I think made it feel a little bit less than because there were epic battles. We just didn't see any of them. I yeah. feel like they could have been. That's, that was what was annoying. <laughs> yeah, because you saw the island littered with yeah. uh, assassins that tried to in attack. In one him. panel, there are 11 dead bodies. In another panel, I think there are 15 or 16 dead bodies. And, and you have to understand, he has no healing factor. And yet he has like only a few bruises. So I'm like, so you're just that good? or just, Well, he, he that still bad? has his super strength and everything else. Well, he doesn't have super strength. I mean, Wolverine his, never his, has. His enhanced yeah. strength. Right, yeah. But I mean, still. Yeah. And But you figure a lot of that has to be going on. Think about it. He's dragging around how many hundreds of pounds of adamantium. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> you know? why he can still do it because he has his enhanced strength. I mean, I, I'll say, I mean, how I how, what I felt, I felt like this was, um, and yeah, I know Ralph's big. Oh wow, Cap agreed with Mike. So what a surprise! But I do feel like it was kind of ho hum for such an iconic character. I feel like if it was somebody else on the X Men that they had this death, I'd be okay with it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like somebody like Wolverine, you need. I felt like you needed more. Maybe not a longer series. But more content in the writing. Yeah, yeah. I felt like it moved like um, if you ever, have you guys ever read Ultimate Spider-Man? Yeah, and you read how how um, Bendis was doing that for a while, right? Bendis is the only one that did it. Was he the actual run of Ultimate Spider-Man? So, it was all him. But the way Bendis has it, it, at some points it moves really fast because some some frames are just used to show things, but right. it'll be like five, six frames. So you're two pages in, and maybe you had like two sentences go across. Right. I felt like that's what they did with a lot of this Wolverine stuff. And there were a lot of opportunities, like you guys said, for more epic battles. I felt like the, the fight between him and Sabretooth yeah. should have been left toward the end. Right. I mean, I was even good without that being the battle, but it should have been more of a battle. It just was kind of like, eh, the fight stopped, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but did anyone else get excited when they saw Kitty Pride show up? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Kitty and Wolverine together are two of my favorite people together. I love them. Don't ever mention Jubilee with Wolverine. <laughs> I can't stand. That is like the opposite of my love for um, those two. But so I was so excited when I saw her, and then it was like petered out. Even though I did love her fight with a uh, Lady Deathstrike. Well, when she went in for the kiss, I was like, "What was going on?" Here? Yeah, I was like, "Where's this going?" And then of course to see it was Ogun. I mean, which was again, I was fine with that. It's just that I wish she had stayed. I, I almost think that it would have added a little bit, uh, well, it would have added another di- a dimension to it. Um, you know, I just wish he had stayed around to help Logan after that issue. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they, they could have brought a, a bunch of other different characters and not have, because, I mean, honestly, did you need Deathstrike? 
And Death right. Strike was cool, but you didn't need her. Well, right. they, they wanted to because if if you read um Legacy Legacy of Logan, uh-huh. then she's a key part right. in, in that series. Yeah, basically they were setting up their other stories as well. I mean, which is fine, but it, again, it just it it felt like you just threw her in, and then when you find out that you needed her later, it's like ah, that's why you threw her in, you know? Right. But um, I, I was commenting to myself that uh, like the opening scene of book one uh, is Wolverine. He's kind of laid back like on a porch or something. He's bruised. He's bloodied. His call his claws are exposed. Um, and his arms are out to his sides and he looks like he's just thinking like I'm too old for this shit um, but that was pretty much the tone for the book and for the readers it, you just felt like I'm just too old for this shit like you know it, like, like I'm kind of done yeah and it felt like the writing went that way because Charles so I, I like Charles Soule to a point but he is uh, that's the guy that's a lawyer he was a lawyer yeah. or he is a lawyer um, and he was the one that did She-Hulk uh, when they did the very last incarnation of She-Hulk right. which she's a lawyer um, and the humor that arrives there but I don't think I like his writing in general for for like actiony people. I, I think that they did not choose a good writer um, for Wolverine in this case. For me, anyhow, um, I also didn't understand a lot of those thought bubbles. I, I was getting lost with that, those oh, one word thought bubbles. Right, those, because those one won't be in blue. Yeah, but one won't be in blue and they won't be in red. Right, but they were all him though. Yeah. Right, you know. But I just didn't get them because it was like sometimes you got it like he was like if he. Injured his hand, he'd be like my hand. The other time, like for instance, when he takes down the guards before he goes into uh, what's the guy's name? The Cornelius. Name? Cornelius, he's just like right leg, and you're like. So I kept looking at the other frames. I'm like, what about your right leg? Like I mean, <laughs> like they didn't shoot him. They didn't. Hit, they didn't have a chance to hit him. I'm like, so what about your right leg? Or or other times, like I liked it. Where, like he walked into the bar. He's just like right. you know stale beer, bar funk. But then like you had like this weird thing when um, he's sitting with Kitty and he just thinks like. Uh, Oh, what's, I'm trying to remember the, what he, he he says something like um, the, the wind kisses the rustling leaves. I'm like, huh? That, that, <laughs> Can you see Logan saying that? Yeah, like at no point. I'm like, what? <laughs> Were you just thinking? The well, wind kissing the rustling sense, leaves. Well, scent of plum blossoms. Wind kisses rustling petals. petals. Yeah, like yeah. A city hidden. Right, right. It was one of those things. At first, I thought it was her, and then because I was looking at the different color, but then I saw it wasn't. It was just his thought bubble still. Well, clearly, Wolverine is very sensitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at times, at random times. The only time. explanation for the whole right leg thing is he was playing Twister. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if we go back in, there'll that, be a missing frame. And he's, he's, on, that he's, he's on a calm with Professor with uh, with Reed Richards. Right leg. <laughs> Yeah, and he's that's, playing Twister. That's one guy you don't want to play Twister with, man. I'll oh, tell you that. He always wins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, say what you will about about the plot and about how he was dispatched. I mean, I have a problem with the way he was dispatched. You guys, It's funny because you guys use ele- elegant. And I like that word well, you guys use for it. It was his own self-sacrifice because the only reason he breaks the adamantium is to prevent it from going to the other three people. Yeah, but but I felt like there was no attachment to those other three people. I felt like if, I, if those three people would have been people I cared about. Right. You know, I would have felt more like, oh my God, is that going to happen? Which again was the point, of course, that he, as the hero, he did save people that he literally doesn't know them. And I get that. Yeah. But I do agree with you saying that like, it, it just again, I mean, I, I get that they were trying to do this understated thing, but it's it's Wolverine. I mean, again, I don't need over the top, but it was so understated that I'm like, it, I, I just couldn't get behind it. It's just like, oh, I, all right, you tell me he's dead, he's dead. Um, the, the Like I said, the adamantium, because it was really such... It pulled me out of the disbelief with him being able to walk around. First of all, with now more hundreds of pounds of adamantium because the stuff weighs a lot, even though it's liquid. The fact that it's four thousand degrees superheated, you know, I mean, it's just. I'm like, I, I get your point. I also get the point that you know this thing that 
kept him alive through all of the battles is now the thing that's the call from his death. I mean, I get this, you know, and that also they made very sure that because it's Antimantium, there's not going to be any of the, we dismembered him later and took apart the, cl- it's like, you can't get into his shit at all. Right. You know? Adamantium. Adamantium. Yes. Yes. Right. Though one thing I can see that they could say that if, if they bring him back in a way, they could say that, um, because he healed inside like well, a cocoon. Yeah. And, and that because, um, the Adamantium wasn't, um, Put on properly, it was smelted correctly. That it was impure in a way, and it was able to be break, broken. It look, breaks like an eggshell. Look at you writing writing plot holes. Yeah, no, I'm saying. I mean, I'm <laughs> believing it. That the, could be no, one the thing moment they, they could say. The moment I saw him encased in that, I just said, "Oh, they're just going to have him cook like in a cocoon in that thing, and he's somehow going to have survived." And then they're going to realize we need to get him out or he'll suffocate. Which then, of course, is your own other bag of worms. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say before was say what you will about the plot. The art was fantastic. Art was wonderful. It Steve was, McNiven. It was, it was really well. Art really, was really very well done. Well done. And, and Steve um, McNiven. McNiven. For for those who don't know him, is he actually did um, the Civil War series, mm-hmm. and he's he was fantastic in that. That was yeah. one of the better one of the better um, art projects I've seen on, on a limited series in a while. Yeah, I just love Steve's work. Yeah, and he he really did a great job. I mean, that's one thing you cannot complain about. the The coloring was good. The the art was excellent. Um, I just, like I said, I just wish it was a better story. I'm not looking again. I wasn't looking for big flashy stuff like the death of Captain Marvel, for instance. I mean, it was very, you know, it was very heart wrenching. I mean, the guy died of cancer, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, like surrounded by the heroes. I mean, it was just a beautiful story. And it was a beautiful death, and that's one of them. I'm trying to think of other deaths that I've liked. Do you guys know of any death stories? Do you like? Wow, that was good. Death of Superman. Death of Superman? No. Death of Superman wasn't bad though. It wasn't it was, fantastic. Right, it wasn't the worst. It, it wasn't the worst. I just feel like you know the fact that Doomsday kind of like what we talked about the the, the guys that Wolverine saved in this story. You, you you didn't feel any attachment to Doomsday. You didn't feel any threat. They just created this character to come and kill right. Superman. There was no you know no 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 kind of attachment to it. Two of my all time favorite deaths. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. I, I know one death that Mike would like to see, like seeing over and over again. Death of Deadpool. No, the death of Damian Wayne. Oh my god! <laughs> I'd have that thing on repeat, <laughs> and that's another death that, that, that I thought they would have done really well, and they was like, nope. Eh, nope. He, he got stabbed. Well, I think they thought that it was really well done, but you didn't give a damn. I, I, at least for me, I most people I know did not like Damian Wayne, so you know I know there's people out there that like him. I just don't know. Him. You said you were going to say top two deaths. Uh, oh, my favorite, two of my favorite deaths. You guys have heard me mention it several times. One particularly more than the other, but um, the death of the Flash in Crisis of Infinite Earth when he runs until he turns to dust is just an amazing scene because mm-hmm. that talk about self sacrifice. I mean, that's true self sacrifice. Yeah. And then and the other one, same book, Death of Supergirl. She died heroically trying to save her brother when um, when Antimonitor blew a hole through her guts. It was just, the, and then seeing oh, Superman gosh. carry her back it was one of the saddest things. He, I mean, because it wasn't just like. It wasn't even like stern face, a tear at the corner of the eye, which they probably do now. He was full on bawling his eyes out as he's carrying her back. I mean, that, that, that to me is when you have a hero literally just crying like the biggest baby in the world, you know something hurt. You know? Right. Absolutely. And that added to the scene. Um, Jazz, is there any deaths that you've read about um, in comic books that you were like, wow, that was really impressive? Um, not a lot. And this isn't the biggest one, but I actually really do like the uh, death of Green Arrow in the Injustice series. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. May that not have good. been like the best one ever, but no, I definitely, I, I definitely really, really like the way that was done. Agreed. Absolutely. I still, I'm still a fan of death of, um, death of um, Jason Todd's Robin. Yeah, no, that was very much. You know, because I, mean, once again, I wanted him yeah, to die, and it was still a good death. And for me, the, what, the reason why I bring this up to Death of Wolverine, you felt that you know you knew that Wolverine was going to die three months ago, but it didn't feel like like it was a big thing. When Robin died, it was like 
Robin yeah. was dead. Yeah. But then it might have been a different time. People stayed dead back in the day. Yeah. Even the death of Jean Grey. Oh, well, I mean, Jean's death was fantastic. I mean, you know, she she killed herself in order to save everyone. That was just wow. You know, like yeah. I said, Wolverine, I get like I said, I'm glad they didn't go for spectacle. It just felt a little too subdued. It would just be like, you know, you know, hey, Mike, what'd you do today? Oh, I just went to the store. I had to get some eggs, some milk. Uh, Wolverine just died. And then I also picked up some bacon and some <laughs> lettuce. Anybody else want anything? <laughs> you know. Ralph, how do you feel about the death? Of, um, what's the favorite death of yours in comic books? Do you have one? Um, Which one was it? Not really, because I haven't Was really... the death of that guy by that person? <laughs> <laughs> or was Dude, that don't woman even when get she me started on the thing? death of that guy. That's just <laughs> or was it that woman that died from the thing? I haven't really read a lot of the uh, comic books with um, death. d- deaths in them. We need just like uh, series. You know? mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite one. Okay. I mean, Spider-Man's death too. At the, well, supposed the death of the Craven the Hunter was also good. And then Craven's okay. death okay. was fucking awesome. <laughs> I, okay, I did read that one. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. That I, was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty good. Where, you know... It was interesting to see how um, you think Spider-Man's dead mm-hmm. and it's just a Venom, whatever. And but Craven takes over, and then Craven, seeing that you know he has nothing else to hunt, he's already hunted his last hunt, takes his own life. Yeah, that's, that was crazy. That was yeah, amazing. that was really amazing. Now, real quick, what would you rate Death of Wolverine? Because we we've kind of hit a couple of points. We didn't really get too deep into it, but I kind of feel like this 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 um critique of Death of Wolverine is like the book. It moved really fast. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a blink of the eye. It was done. I mean, I know Jazz, you just finished reading it today. Yep. And, and I finished reading it this morning, and it just moved fast, but and fast in a way not where it was like, wow, I felt like I got a lot done. It was like, for me, it was eh. Yeah. It was, it was fast, but it was a complete story. Right. At least it was good. So I'd give it four out of six Wolverine claws going through Sabretooth Skull. Four out of six. Okay. Going through Sabretooth Skull is one of my favorite comic books, by the way. <laughs> Love that one. Ralph, what do you give Death Wolverine? Six claws. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he didn't? <laughs> I give it uh, four most interesting man in the world Wolverine get up out of five. Because he looked, remember that's in the second issue. When in Madripoor? In Madripoor. And he has the two chicks right there. That was an awesome. When I, when I saw that panel, just did you guys read checks. any of the extras where they were saying that like uh, Stephen Niven was like he was like at first he was going to draw him bald, then they were just they were trying to figure out how they were going to have him not look like Wolverine, you know? Yeah. Well, he looked just like the guy oh, from, he, the, from he, the Dos Equis That's who he was supposed to be. When when I saw that, I was like, when Cap reads this, he's probably going to crave a Dos Equis. <laughs> dude. Seriously, <laughs> I'm waiting for us to be done with the podcast. I'm gonna get one now. He's like, I don't always die, but when I do, it's with adamantium <laughs> and Dos Equis. But once again, Steve, Steve McNiven just pulled it off really oh, well. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna give two grades for the art. For how did those um, bone claws become adamantium claws? Out of five, I think the, the artwork is fantastic. But story wise, I'm I'm gonna give it a two. How do you break adamantium claws? Out of five. Um, just to answer your question, those weren't adamantium claws. If you notice, they were all held on by leather straps. Those right. Were, those were just fake claws. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the hell they were made out of, but I was like, huh? And then I'm like, oh, I get it. But didn't explain why he didn't use his real ones. Yeah. Well, that, because, I'm still lost on that. Because um, uh, Reed, Reed Richards uh, told him. He'd been using them for entire three issues. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, your argument, believe me, was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, but he's been using them, and this is the time he needs the most. Like, he could have just clawed his way through the glass and stopped the guy before he started experimenting more. Mm. But anyhow, <laughs> on to my rating. On to your rating. Um, I just found it, like I said, very blah, bland. Um, I gave it five 
Well, at least Jubilee didn't make an appearance out of 10. Because <laughs> that would have just really done me in <laughs> if she showed up. Nah, I, I, but, you, um, but I did want to mention, I, I, you know, the versions that we were looking at um, had all the variant covers. Did you guys look at the covers? Yes. I loved a lot of them. Um, my favorite, though, I had two that I loved. My favorite was the variant for uh, variant number one by Stephanie Hans. And it's the one, they were done twice and someone else did one, but I thought this was the most effective. It's Wolverine. In a graveyard, there's candles around the statue of an angel with wings, and he himself has carved his name in the base of the statue, and mm-hmm. he's just standing in front of it. I thought that was very touching. Um, better than the other one where he hits a tombstone formally with his name on it, and he slashes it, and then he's laying dead in front of it. I like right. the, the Stephanie Hans one better. And I also like the uh, variant for number two by Linnell Yu, which is Wolverine. He's nude, and death has a grip on him, and is like floating Oh, yeah. Off. That was just really, really, really beautiful. I, I mean, it's funny because um, some of these variant covers, I think what gets me so mad about it is that the variant covers aren't always available everywhere. Right. And they're like, oh, well, that's the point of the variant covers. Um, where's the one? I, I, I'm looking at them right now. Um, the, and all the Greg Lands sucked, especially by the time you got to the third one, oh, the fourth wow, one. Wow, Mike and I agree on something for once. Oh. I, do, are you familiar with Greg Land? Um, I am not. Greg you should Land, never be. Greg Land, for long story short, and I know for the – M22 um, followers that listen to the podcast know I hate Greg Land. Greg Land is an artist that um, draws superheroes, but what he does is he takes real life um, 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 photographs from magazines and stuff and traces them and puts them into um, comic book format. So basically, he'll take a a picture of a woman jumping in the air with her hands um, out and her legs, you know, out straight, and he'll take that, he'll trace it, and he'll make it storm. Right, but he won't. Fi- he won't modify. I mean, like, you know, he'll make it look like storm. But I mean, he doesn't change the pose. He literally uses a light box and traces over, like, like I said, models and porn, <laughs> basically to get the poses he wants. I can't even lie though. I didn't realize the Greg Land. Um, that that one was Greg Land where it's Wolverine. Looks like his face is slowly deteriorating. Yeah, that well, one's it, not no, bad. No, no, no. It's three ish. It's three of them. It starts off without deteriorating, then it goes. Now you got to look at the fourth one. Because the fourth one is where it's just skeletal, but look at the women in front of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it ruins it. Boo. All smiley, you know. But anyhow, that was my thing with that one there. <laughs> but as far as um, for follow-up titles, though, the cover for Nightcrawl number seven, I thought that was one of the most touching ones I saw because it's just, because, uh, you know, like Nightcrawler is a religious man, but even take that away, I mean, that's Wolverine's best friend, which I was kind of surprised he didn't show up in the series at yeah. some point. Um, but that they're, they're like the best buds, and all it is is a picture of um, Nightcrawler and Wolverine side by side, smiling. Probably like it looks like they're out in the woods or something like that. Might even be from that Wendigo adventure, and it's just that picture taped to a wall, very plain. And there's a one like a, like a dinner candle lit in front of it, and you see Nightcrawler there with the match, and I mean his hand. It's just really touching because it was just such a simple, um, you know memorial to his his best friend yeah i just thought it was a great picture all right there you have it the death of wolverine but if you know marvel no hero stays dead nobody stays dead isn't that what what they said in the x-men one time like nobody stays dead they say that all the time yeah (laughs) but guys wait don't go anywhere please because geeks on the go is next and now geeks on the go (laughs) (laughs) wow this guy wanted to make sure that none of us could do a better impersonation than that. Yeah. <laughs> Props to Jazz for doing Joker because um, I've heard Jazz do the Joker impersonation in um, in the gym that I work at, 
And um, I was like, oh, I, I got to find some way to add that into the show. So I'm glad we got I got a chance to do that, which now I'm afraid of me not being able to do Geeks on the Go myself. We're used to what you do. Were you ever able to do it? Yeah. We're okay. Used to, we're you, used to it. And that, was, right. that was the Joker? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You own. Sounded like Gigi. You, wow. <laughs> Shut up, motherfucker. <laughs> all right. You know, the, you know the drill. I give quick questions. They give quick anchors. Uh, yeah. Quick we, anchors. Quick, we, I thought we gave quick anger. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, sorry. <laughs> sorry I, give, I give quick questions. They give quick answers on all things geek. And we never make it under a minute. But we try. And we're a company. We try even more. I'm full of shit. You know that, right? Yeah, we know that. Wow. Okay. I've been sitting next to you this entire time. <laughs> I'm wearing Mike's Depend diaper. <laughs> Are ready, set, and go. So Wolverine is dead. Who's another hero or villain that you wish would die already? Mike. Deadpool, please. While holding on to Damian Wayne and the, and the nuclear bomb. Okay, okay, okay. Jazz. Joker. All right. Ralph. Uh, Lex Luthor. Just kill him off. Wow. Okay. Superman has shown to be a difficult character to portray. If you were the writer of the new Superman movie, who would be the villain? Hint, no Luthor. Ralph. A technological mastermind who uh, does a part-time tech at a podcast. Hmm. So, Ralph. (laughs) Okay, Mike. (laughs) I said it a million times. Aunt May. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong company? Uh, Vandal Savage. All right. (laughs) But Aunt May would kick his ass. Jazz. Bizarro. Bizarro. All right. Good job. Um, Do you think a Teen Titans live action show can actually work? Jazz. TNT. We know drama. Pizza's here, everybody. It could work, but it's going to be weird. All right, Ralph. Our time is up, but you know we keep going because we don't give a fuck. Go ahead, Ralph. Yes, it could work. You think it could work? Especially if it's a Nightwing and not a Robin. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and Mike? Uh, as long as they highlight Starfire's breasts, nobody will notice. Oh, that's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> or they will, and they had better do it. <laughs> Ralph, I have a DVR'd. <laughs> um, what was... The, a worse idea in comic books: Red Skull having Professor X brain fused to his own, or Batman having four Robins within seven years in the new fifty-two universe. Mike, Bruce Wayne living with four different teenagers in seven years and no one asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz. Hi, so I'm here to apply for the Robin position. Okay, uh, I've got to think about the name Robin. I like the name Robin. I like the name Robin too. But you've had like a few of them so far. So like, yeah. Yeah, I like Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, you know somewhere this, his name is probably on a uh, on a registered website somewhere. You know of, of uh, you know to watch out for little boys. He's probably not allowed near oh pedophile registry playgrounds yeah. or something. You know, <laughs> you never if you notice he doesn't drive around schools or anything. You know, oh man, even when he's fighting as Batman, he doesn't even go past school. Okay, all right. Last question. If DC could do a version of Spider-Man and his amazing friends with one major character and two minor characters, who would they be? Ralph. Uh, Deadpool with uh, Wolverine and his son, Dakin. Well, that would be Marvel, not DC. What about DC? Oh, my bad. (laughs) We'll come back to you on that one. Nice going, Tech. And we didn't have the TV on. Not anything you like. Mike. Um, Ambush Bug. Oh. With Streaky the Super Cat and Beppo the Super Monkey. Wow, that was worse than I even anticipated. <laughs> and as it should be. <laughs> Jazz. 
um, Harley Quinn with Deadshot and Brad. No, fuck, that's Suicide Squad. Uh, Green Arrow <laughs> with Red. Oh, fuck, no, that's Arrow. Uh, Superman with Batman. No, that's Justice League. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. Okay, you got nothing. Rob, well, let me come back to you. Anything? All right, Plastic Man. Oh, of course, your favorite. With Vibe and El Dorado. Oh, my Ooh. God. <laughs> Pilot? Canceled. <laughs> Writers shot. <laughs> Widows burned alive. <laughs> um, and before we go to the end of the show, just got to give some shout outs real quick. Um, actually, my boys um, for the Four Life Podcast are finally doing this show. November 13th. If you like wrestling, please check out the Four Life Podcast with my boys, Shy Ann and Bosch Tista. They're coming back to you. Um, and speaking of other podcasts, if you don't hear kev on here you can catch kev on his podcast called the tribe over with mj and grace and actually at m22 alum trouble troy and that's also found on soundcloud and finally shout out goes to tom happy birthday tom hope we had a great night well i had a great night last night but you were pretty funny about saying you know you guys do it every two weeks you guys should do it more and i told mike and mike gave me the usual answer yeah, it's Cap's fault that we're not. That's pretty much the answer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Damn. That's and, I, and I have a shout out to make because my wonderful, wonderful niece told me that she's finally listened to our podcast. No way. Why did you say this in the beginning? I would have cursed more. <laughs> That's fine. Um, we got and, time. <laughs> and also to wish her luck, Fuck she's you. going Fuck off you. to the Air Force. So, oh, best, oh, oh, oh. so best of luck there to my uh, niece doing the Air Force biz. You, better, you will be a success. And uh, this will also tell me if you actually made it through the end of a podcast. That's true. <laughs> Wait, and what's your niece's name? Cheryl. You know your name. Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> You better hit your uncle back because now he's put it out there that he's put a message for you at the end of a podcast. You can't just listen to the first five minutes. I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> May I give a shout out? Absolutely. Uh, I have a shout out to um, the one that keeps sending me texts with pictures of the upcoming Hobbit movie with just saying, it's coming, it's coming in all capital exclamation points. You know, you, you know who you are. And if you've listened to this in its entirety, thank you so much. Whoa. Okay. Now, question. A mystery guy. Um. It's coming, it's coming. You might want to change that. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. Sounds like something else going on. <laughs> I'm just saying. And and one other shout out. Maybe he's that excited about the Hobbit movie. Wow. <laughs> one more shout out. P-Tango, check it out. Hopefully you, 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 you hit us up soon. Let's see if you actually listen to this podcast as well. Patrick, get home soon. Yeah, bro. <laughs> no, so, fuck it. Stay in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. And that's the end of our show. Wow. So for MFG Mike the Finance Guy, RT Square, Ralph's Tech, and our special guest, Jazz, this is the cap saying, keep it geeky. And we have a lot more things to cover and so little time. 